pretty weird thing. And so, yeah, one. Yeah. One, yeah, one of them. Yeah, she was. She was a definite redhead. No doubt about that. Um, you have a fun she's the only one in her family out of eight kids. Hmm. You have a, fu a fun mother story? Oh, I bet I, I, I bet I could. I got thousands of mob stories, but I just can't think of one right now. Okay. She was, one uh, before the night is over. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. She was a special lady. Mm -hmm. It sounded Life like it was. was. Uh, it worked. It worked like a, oh. Nobody was, you never see nobody worked hard as she did. I told you they called her Sarge, right? Yeah. You told her that last week. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, no, I can't think of anything specific not, not at the spur of the moment here. Uh, except that, um, you know, she lived for Christmas. <laughs> which, uh, which I think is cool. Cause I, I really, really love Christmas. And I think I got that from her. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something it, that's cultivated. And if your mom loved it, well, you know, sometimes people who come from families who hated holidays developed a love for them because they turned into something special for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, well, so my dad is the opposite. He could care less. Uh, I know after mom died, I was, he, he lived four years longer than mom. I lived with him during those four years. And he's like, you want a tree in your room? Oh. I do your thing, but I don't want one down here. I don't want no decorations. I don't want... And I don't think it was because he was so much anti-Christmas. I mean, I think it was because he wasn't really anti-Christmas. I think it was more because it meant so much to Bob. He, he didn't need to be reminded of it. Yeah. That, that was more of That a, makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But he was definitely, we're not putting the tree up here, we're not putting any decorations up down here, I don't want any of that mm -hmm. stuff. And I tried, I tried for a couple of years to get him to do it. No, no deals. But you're going to be with us in July when we have Christmas in July. Oh, that's the best time. <laughs> I think so too, because you don't have to shovel snow to celebrate it. Right, well... <laughs> I've often said winter wouldn't be so bad if it only lasted until like January first. Um, mother, I can handle that. I can handle warm to December like... and then go away. But it's it's about twice as long as it needs to be. Uh huh. <laughs> so you know you're you're in pretty rough winter territory up there, so. Yeah. I'll allow you that. Yeah, and we had, a, had an extra bad one this year, so. Yeah, you did. You really got hammered. A lot of people took it. I wonder which states are the toughest one to go through. I mean, I say Minnesota and the That's Dakotas. Nasty. Yeah, Minnesota and the North and South Dakota and yeah. Vermont. Yeah, Maine. Yeah, Maine. I bet New Hampshire's as bad as we are. Then upper part of New York, right, Patricia? The Way, way up north, sure. Way up um, north. The, the northern border of New York yeah. tickles Canada. Mm -hmm. Well, even out west, like Buffalo gets hammered pretty wide, don't mm -hmm. they? Oh, it's, it, <laughs> they must be the snow capital of the country. <laughs> yeah. And that's like western New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lake effect. 
Um, yeah, we uh, yeah, we had our share this year. That's for sure. Um, but it's actually it looks great when you're sitting inside your house looking outside. It's when you have to go out and deal with it that it becomes a pain. Uh-huh. Yeah. If I could hibernate all winter, wouldn't it be great? I'll see what I can do. But, you know, little things get in the way, like having to go to work. Wait a minute, wait. How do bears know when to wake up? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, how do bears know when to wake up? You can hear the berries growing. You know, that's a good question. I know, I hear, I heard they never... Well, hibernation, I always thought it was like sleep, but it was sleeping. Mm-hmm. But I heard, uh, somebody told me that they not really sleeping. They, they go into a state of everything is slowed down. The heart rate is slowed down. Breathing is slowed down. And they're, they're almost... Um, almost comatose, right? Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. Comatose. They're, they're really out of it. But they don't always stay down for the entire winter. They'll get oh, up they and forage around for a little bit and then go back to bed. Oh. <laughs> getting up and getting a snack in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine all the shock to the system? I don't, they don't like the cold. Like, oh, well, no, they're they're pretty well bundled. They've got a good sized coat. That's true. They have a lot of fur. Uh, but, yeah, and they have their babies in the winter time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That shocked me when I found that out. Yeah. I always thought it was spring. So smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, that, I don't know why. I just always assumed that they had that everybody has all the animals have their babies in the spring, and that's right. not the case. They, did you know that Walden bears, bear mamas no. have their cubs? No. no, I was just trying to think. When do they? When do they? Um, in the wintertime during hibernation, they have them. Sure, but I'm just trying to think the the uh, state of being pregnant. I wonder how long does it last for a bear? Does it take nine months like a human being? Does it take tw six? Does it take twelve? I bet it's close to a human being. Well, let's go see. I'm on the redheaded page. Let's. <laughs> Well, red-headed bears, that would be an interesting We want a red-headed bear. Yeah. Oh, Google has a happy Mother's Day. Aww. Their hearts, they've got a purple flower, and I'll have to click on it and see what they've got that's special in there. They've been doing some really nifty stuff. They had the Charlie Chaplin film yeah. for Charlie Chaplin's birthday, mm -hmm. and they had a whole bunch of inventions. What am I looking for? Bears. Bears. bears uh, how long do bears are so pregnant for? Yeah. Gestation. I have a Mother's Day request. Sure. I don't know if you can play it or not. I don't know how you're set up for music there. Uh-huh. Uh, I was going to have it done on her birthday, which was April 25th, but with everything that's been going on, there wasn't a live show, and I forgot about it. Right. Um, but I was going to request either when Irish Eyes Are Smiling or... Uh -huh. uh, what was the other one? She's the two a little of. I don't. I don't really. Oh, that's Bing Crosby. Yeah, uh, that one. Or the the other song she used to love was Five Foot Two. Five Eyes are blue. Two. Anybody Eyes see my blue. gal? Have I don't anybody know who. see my gal? Yeah, well, either one. Any one of those three. Well, I know we can get Bing Crosby. Yeah, Tura Lura Lura is wonderful. I love that song too. She used to sing that to us. I, I can get that one. She, she sang it to you? Yeah, when we were babies. The Irish Lullaby. Oh, cool. One of my earliest memories of her, of her, her singing that song to me. Yeah. Yeah, that was, oh, God, that was. 
I, I had to be like a baby. Well, then you could you could remember or find that one. Yeah, I I, I pulled out my Bing Crosby set and I'm looking for that right now. Oh, oh great, thank you. No problem. Well, I'm gonna hop off and listen to it. Okay, well, I, I do have some new trivia questions tonight, and I have a Johnny Mathis CD to give away. Do you want to take a shot at any one of them? Yeah, I'll take a shot. I'm not. I probably will answer the Johnny Mathis question, but I went. I I'll give it a shot. Okay, Johnny Mathis question. There's there's no fudging on this one. You got to get it, and no hints from Walden. Okay. Two part question. I'll give you both parts, and then you tell me. What kind of car did Jack Benny drive? And the second part is, who did the sputtering sound effects for the car? Well, I'm not even pretending to guess. I forget. I know, I should know it too. I've listened to the show enough, but... Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Han. Oh. Is it stuck yet? Nope. 5-7 trivia. Huh. All right, I've got to give you some new questions here. Don't go away. Yeah, well, we get that one, too. But that's all right. Oh, go away. Trivia. Trivia, trivia, trivia. Oh, good grief. I messed myself up here. Don't go away. Okay. All right. Um, you can just keep talking for a minute because I've got all of this stuff from Walden. <laughs> um, we've got... Said, uh, I'll take my guess on the bears at eight months. Uh, you're pretty close. It was seven months. Oh, okay. A, a little bit more than seven months. So seven and a half months. You you were close enough. Close enough. Let's see what we've got here. Good thing. I've, I've been uh, sliding back and forth between computers today. And the one I love to work with because it's got all of my radio bookmarks on it. Okay. Exactly 45 minutes today. Okay, let's see here. Do pregnant bears get fat? I beg your pardon? Do pregnant bears get fat? I wouldn't know. Well, why wouldn't they show? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't know if they get fat. Oh, okay. Uh, I've never cottoned up to it. Well, that's not really true. I was in a cage with a black bear one time. Oh, there's a story. Yeah. It was, it was, it, their, their fur is, um, it's, it's very coarse. It's not a, a nice smooth fur at all. And it's got a tarry-like oil substance. It, it's not like fur that, that gets oil from the skin and it gets nice and sleek. It's almost a tar substance that is at the base of the coat. And it keeps bugs and ticks and keeps their, their skin clean. Okay. Yeah. We have right here, we have black bears. You do have black bears? Yeah. Well, the, the, the person who had the black bear was contacted by the uh, forest rangers. And they found the bear being driven around. It was a bear cub. And somebody had taken the bear cub out of the woods, and it was driving around the country with this little bear cub, and they confiscated it, of course. And they tried to reintroduce it to the woods, but it wouldn't stay there. Okay. They, they brought it to this person who was a wildlife expert. It's such a nice person. I mean, he had wolves. I, had, I was in with wolves, too. It was really cool. Oh. He... he did his best to rehabilitate the bear, and he lived in in the center of an enormous wooded area. I mean, it, it was in the woods of um, northern New Jersey and into New York. It was it was kind of perched on the border, and he did his best. He fed him and would you know bring him out, and he finally got to the point where he could walk him into the woods, and he showed up at the door again. 
you know, I mean, it was just he was so peopleized. He was imprinted with people, not wild and woods. And the only way to keep him safe was to build a compound for him. So Sammy the Bear wound up with his own house and his own little cave. <laughs> and, oh. and Mr. Ferber said, well, you know, you came with Sherman. He said, you could come in and touch. <laughs> I think I'll stay out here. He says, no, no, it's okay. He will not hurt you. I said, okay, it's his bear, you know. Hey. He got in there. And he said, as long as he's eating, he'll be fine. <laughs> I hope he's got a big bowl of stuff there. <laughs> so Sammy and I shared quarters for a little bit. And it was nice because I, I got to... I mean, how many people have touched the fur of a black bear? Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, Jessica, it really was. So that's my black bear story. I'll tell you my... I got one, I'll tell you. Ah. I saw one in the wild. That was scary. It wasn't scary. Well, it was scary. It was... Close. I was hunting. I used to hunt when I was a kid. And when I deer hunt, I'm not one of these people that goes in, go like, you know, by after I used to, I didn't like winter as it was. Although I was more out in it as a kid. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go hiking and snowmobiling and stuff more as a kid. But I was out hunting one morning. And this was, it was probably before they were, way before they were hibernating because it was, Late fall, I'm guessing, like middle of November, maybe early November, late October. I don't know if I was hunting deer or just looking for deer. For I was probably looking for deer, you know, places where they would be for deer season. And we had a there's a main trail that goes out behind my house, and it goes down to a pond, a beautiful pond about a half a mile down, right out in the middle of the woods, and. Uh, I thought a, gr a great place to look for deer would be at that pond. Well, about halfway down, right before you get to the pond, there's, I don't know if you know what a deer trail is? Mm-hmm, sure do. Okay, well, there's a little deer trail that ran off the main trail over, well, probably ran maybe three-quarters of a mile to a road, the actual dirt road that people lived on. And I went about halfway down that, that uh, deer trail and walked through the woods to the pond. So I wasn't over on the other side of the pond, kind of from where the, the road, the, the, the main path ended up. And I was up, up above the pond. I found a place to sit. And I just sat there. And I couldn't have been there all morning. Oh, God. Maybe a half hour. I heard something coming through the woods behind me on the trail. At first I thought it was a deer, you know, it, it, it was making a noise and I turned and I looked and it was a black bear. Oh my goodness. It looked right at me and I was like, oh God, I was freaking, because I'm like, you know, if this thing turns and charges, I'm, I'm toast. You're toast, yeah. I'm not running anywhere. I got a little 22. Uh, you, might, you, might, you know, you might as well kick it. <laughs> you know, and he looked at me, then looked away, just kept on walking. Yeah, I don't know. If, I'm sure it saw me. Oh, indeed. Um, but it was just like it had no interest. It didn't make a run away either. It's not like it was afraid of me. Maybe he thought you weren't too much meat for him to bottle with. That could be a awful. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good thing it didn't happen in the spring. Oh, indeed. 
If you go anywhere near a mother and her cubs, you, you forget it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You, you, are, you are a snack. Yep. Yep. They're, uh, I worry about my dog, too. I got... I, got, I mean, I have a, we don't have a big bear problem here, but they come down now and then to get in the garbage cans and stuff. And we got blackberries growing right out where my dog run runs. I got wild blackberries. Mm-hmm. Of they love blackberries. Um, but everybody says that, you know, my dog would just scare them away, probably. But I don't know. Uh, well, your dog can run pretty fast. I know a bear can run fast, but... Yeah, but he's on a run, though. Oh. He can only run so far. Oh, he's not running loose. He's not running loose. Oh, dear. Um, I just, you know, I don't know. But everybody tells me that the bear would be, you know, the dog would, the bear, dog barks at the bear, the bear would take off. Yeah. So they, yeah, they're probably right. But I worry about it. I, I guess I would, too. Because the dog is, yeah, he, he, would, he would just, he's not smart enough to realize that. He's very protective. A lover, not a fighter, huh? Uh, well, he's, he thinks he's a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Of those. If he'd run away and hide, it'd be great, but well, he would go after a bear. I know he would. Oh, dear. Okay, are you ready for a question now? I'll try another one. All right. Finish this opening. It's the opening of a show. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. There you go. See, I found my new questions. I like those easy ones. Well, I, I keep saying they're only easy. If you don't answer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what would you like? Well, I'm going to put me on hold last week. I'm going to put on hold one more week. Okay. Because I talked to this young lady, and she hasn't listened to any of those shows yet. Okay. She was going to do it this weekend. Okay. She had it planned out. So I told her, I said, you got to tell me what you like so I can get your CDs in it, too. And she said she would. Okay. Walden and I were talking last night, and uh, one, one of the things we were talking about was three skeleton keys. Right? Three key skeletons. Three skeleton key, yeah. The famous yeah. escape broadcast during Vincent Price where the rats come to the White House. And uh, there, there are, I believe there are three versions out there. William yes. Conrad has one. Um, who had the third one? I think our friend uh, Ted Reed, Elliot Reed. Elliot Reed. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, he did like, one of the really long roles in that. Um, yeah. But it, it's a sophisticated show in the sense that it's improbable. It's not fantasy. It's not science fiction. It's improbable and spooky. It's the kind of show that you close your eyes and it was just made for radio and your imagination. And I thought, you know, the next time I put together a CD for kids, I should concentrate on finding some of those that are not necessarily kids' shows, but shows that kids would enjoy. Yes. What do you think? That would be really cool. Yeah, I think so, too. So when it's time for her to give you some feedback, I will give her what you think she would like, and I'll pick out some of these shows as well. Okay. All right. And, Fred, I found your mom's song. So so when I'll make sure you get to hear it on the Internet, but we got it. I got it queued up. Sounds good. Well, I'll, I'll hang up and let you go to it. All right. Okay. Thanks for calling, Fred. You have a good day. You too, guys. All right, Fred. Take Goodbye. care.
And that's our friend Fred from Vermont at 714-545-2071. This is one of the classic songs Bing Crosby had in 1944. 1944 was a big, big season for Bing Crosby. Hold on, listener. Uh, call, let me play the song first. Uh, it was a big season. Bing won a movie, uh, won an Oscar that year. Uh, he had major hits. And this is for you, Fred. This is your mom's favorite song that she used to sing to you. So we'll be back in two minutes. Here we go. a simple little ditty in her good old Irish way and I'd give the world if I could hear that song of hers today Nineteen forty four and Bing Crosby would have been a hundred and seven this past Monday. Oh my goodness, it's a beautiful song. Just Hello. a beautiful, beautiful song. Hello, Carl, you're on the air. Tura, Tura, Tura. 
thought it might be you. <laughs> hey, listen, that spaghetti dinner sounds like a very good fundraiser. It was. We we made we probably made a couple thousand dollars, and that's How good. Much, uh, for the fundraiser for the ticket. We we charge ten dollars per ticket, and then people. Hey, that's a great. And what we do, we go to all the merchants around town, and they donate certificate. Uh, gift certificate to restaurants and different things and so you get door prizes and then you can buy raffle tickets and then you can play bingo and you get to run the $25 to $50 dinner coupons. And then it's a spaghetti dinner. Do you have a, like a, a little salad on the side? Uh-huh. Or? We, we, we serve a, it's, all, it's an all-day cooking job. Um, so spaghetti, which your choice of meatballs or, or sausage, with vegetables and then salad. Uh, with, with your with dressing, right. and then garlic bread or garlic, uh, you know, a roll, and then your choice of dessert, brownies, which I think Patricia would have picked, cookie, <laughs> cookies, or a club had a birthday cake. So. <laughs> and it was all you could eat. <laughs> all you could eat. Oh, Ron, plus, we should have been there. Plus soda, plus... Been there, and you know, $10 is really a bargain. And how? My goodness, Great. the cookies and brownies, it would have been a bargain. Uh-huh. <laughs> All you can eat, and then uh, that's what we did. Wow. That sounds like a fun, fun uh, dinner. Yep. Good yep. stuff. When, yep. when does your presidency um, terminate? When? Jo- uh, July 1, but um, I think I'm going to get another term because generally in our club, we always... Whoever become president, generally we go for two years, two terms in a row. So, I've I've been president in the past, and I think I'm gonna get a another term. I guess they figured I can't do too much more damage to the club. <laughs> they're gonna keep you, mm-hmm. despite everything. They're going to keep you. Considering these guys are known for 30, 35 years through Boy Scout, they know what kind of trouble I can put them in anyway. So, mm-hmm. they've forgiven me over the years. How big is your club? We are about about 20, in the low 20s right now. Um, we meet every Thursday morning at 7.15 to 8.15. And we just... It's a breakfast club. Mm-hmm, breakfast club. And we have speakers come in that we... Right now, there seems to be such a dire need for the community uh, to, feed the, to feed the hungry. So we, we, we have a lot of organization that we feed and the homeless. Um, the organization now are putting up housing, and so we are currently really sort of bankrolling a lot of our projects. And um, so they come, different people who run these organizations come, and we give them a donation, and they give us an update what they're doing. Um, we really like to support a lot of uh, female ch- um, shelters that allow the mom to keep their kids with them. So we, we we look for organizations that allow to try to keep a family unit together. And fortunate thing about clubs now, organization lines at one time lines, Kiwanis and you know, our membership was really, really big. Yeah. You know? And uh, through the years it's gotten smaller and smaller and that's you know, because it's now it's so hard to recruit uh, the younger people to join these um organization. I, I think there's a couple of factors. You know, the Lions still have over a million members around the world, but it's an older group. Basically yep. because, let's face it, the, 
my generation and younger, generally now, mom and dad are both working outside the home. Yeah. And mom and dad seem to be so more actively involved in their kids' activities. Soccer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're driving in the soccer practice, you know, it's the right. soccer mom. And so I can just imagine how they're going to fit a volunteer organization into the schedule. It's very I, difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, because uh, I was, when I was in the Lions Club, mm -hmm. I was president also, and we had a big membership. But our memberships are dwindling, people are dying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually we had to fall because we didn't have enough members. That's pretty sad. We have uh, three clubs here in my area, so if we ever get too small, we would get merged into one of the others. But, but, uh, but it's just, you know, maybe because I've been, I've been brought up in a volunteer organization all my life since Boy Scouts, is seven, it's just part of your life. Yeah. To try to get back to the community one way or another, you know. And, and when I was younger, uh, when I was going to elementary school, mm -hmm. the Lions Club did a lot for us who attended the, the, the blind school here in Hawaii. They, they would bring Christmas shows and everything else. So when I graduated after high school and all that schooling, I decided to give back what they gave to me. And so nice. I, I joined the Lions Club and I did entertainment and stuff like that. And, you know, it was fun. There's lots of fun. How many line clubs do you think there are in Hawaii now? You think there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, then, what is your club doing, and what are the Lions doing in general to try to cultivate membership from the younger groups? It's basically social networking. So, what we have done to tap into, we are tapping into other community service groups. Ah, um, okay. And that basically, there are uh, right now a lot of our, a lot of our help tonight are. We are tapping into faith-based community groups. In other words, these are organizations that have been uh, spent off from churches, that, mm -hmm. uh, and we have found a lot of their members uh, that maybe we get one or so of their members, but it's, we, when we ask for help, they come and supply the manpower that we need. Got it. Okay. I, and no, you don't have the actual membership. You do have to roll up your sleeves. Yeah, we got people the people who the are blood, available to the you. Blood That's the cool. And. Oh, a lot of guys who I gone to Boy Scout with, um, we know their numbers, and so when there's a desperate need, we can call on them to help supply manpower. Uh -huh. And but you know, asking a lot of them to come at seven in the morning when they're trying to get off to work, it, 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 it's a pretty tough deal for a lot of. Hard. That's it, hard. It's hard. Hey Ron. Hey Ron. Uh, we, uh, oh yes, I, I, my club, we we met at lunchtime. Uh huh. And uh, we met at a hotel. It was really nice, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, we, we had speakers come and you all know, that kind of also, stuff. I think also another factor is so expensive, A, to find a meeting place in a restaurant, and B, exactly. B for people who, I mean, meals are not cheap anymore. To go to a, a restaurant or a buffet, you got to be willing to donate a couple of dollars just to have a meal. I mean, it's, yeah. not, it's not cheap. You still have a tail twister? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we... <clears throat> Guess the, here's an inside story. Um, my dad's been going through some uh, treatments, some cancer treatments. He's fine. But generally, he, um, my dad always wears shorts to the Lion Club meeting. Well, uh, my dad, and part of the symptoms is you're supposed to feel like having a little flu. So my dad decided to skip a Lion, member, a Lion Club meeting. Well, one of the friends that we, he set to the table decided this, this meeting to wear shorts. Well, 
Because my dad wasn't there, they fined him for wearing shorts, saying he was the only member in the club <laughs> that wore shorts. If so, if my dad would have been there, there would have been two, and there would have been no fine. Oh, my. <laughs> how, <laughs> much, how much is the fine? He, he dumped in a dollar sometime. No, he, I mean, I, I understand this is all in good nature, oh, yeah. but that's, that's really cute. Your father's going to have to... Pony up the, do- the, uh, uh, the, the dollar. The, the horse, yeah. yeah. At least 50 cents. Yeah, yeah. So, but again, we, when we, and we rag on people when we hear a, a clink. Oh, that's all really worth to you, you know. Oh, gee. Yeah, and so. we don't want to hear the thing dropping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we want to hear... We don't want to hear a clink. Clink, clink. We don't want to hear a sound. The IOUs don't make any noise either. Well, <laughs> there you go. I'll tell you another inside little story. Um, what we also do, we help finance uh, the City of Hope. City Hope is the well-known in Southern California, it's the cancer center, and that on cutting-edge treatment for cancer patients. And... Um, it's amazing, but what we do is have the diamond of prayer, so we, and then we pass the hat, and every week we donate money, and then we write a check. Well, our treasurer at this time, this was four or five years, in his 90s said, don't anybody put anything smaller than 10 cents in here. I gotta go to the bank. <laughs> well, our friend Bob Walker, who's our master cook, who's my scout, Underneath the table, brought a gigantic sack of pennies. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's what he did. Just fill up all the containers with pennies. That way, the poor treasurer had to go to the bank and try to cash all these pennies. So. Next 10, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. There he is. That's funny. So, how are you, sir? You know, we've, we're fine. I've been working hard. We're playing a, a benefit um, performance for the Kidney Foundation uh, this coming week. So, I've been... We were putting together a show and everything else, and I'm I'm backing up a, a fine singer that lived in Hawaii for years and lives on the mainland now, and and then yeah, we're we're having it. There'll be a uh, <clears throat> at the beginning of the show we have about a, a 20 piece live big band. Oh wow! About a half an hour concert mm-hmm. and stuff before we bring in some of the other acts. And sure, it's gonna be fun. Going to be fun. Tell you an interesting about kidneys. Um, my friend Bob, who had cancer of the kidney this, uh, a month ago, what they did now to the City Hope to get rid of, of cancer, and they freeze it. Oh, really? Yeah. It's amazing what they can do. They, they went in, put the, two little wires up there, froze it. That way he passed the cancer and went home the next day. Oh, wow. It's just amazing, amazing. what they're doing for people with cancer. Uh, Cancer and kidneys and all oh, sorts of things. But their research has gone pretty far. It has. You know. Well, no, I mean, just think about it. I was talking, I think, to Patricia about this a few weeks ago. And, you know, in the 50s, if you had cancer, Probably. that was it. Or they, if my grandmother referred, it was the big C. Yeah. You know, now we don't talk about it. I mean, but we don't think about it. How to catch it as early as possible. Yes. Early detection is so important in, in, in the cure for, mm-hmm. for cancer, you know. Yeah. Um, Patricia, I want to ask you, you know your Roy Rogers Library? Uh-huh. Um, what, what, what's, the, what's the dates on those? I mean, you know, they, they, what date do they start and what date do they end, you know? you have any idea? 
Um, I, I will if you give me a couple of minutes of conversation with Walden. I think I've got the entire set. Is there a particular date that... Oh, toward the end. Well, what's the ending date? I don't know yet. I have to look. <laughs> That's why she wants me to see you and I talk. Why don't you? Yeah. So what? 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 Go to the other room. So what? Oh. What? What? So you go into the other room I and know. then you check it out. And if you're good enough, we'll let you come back. Yeah, yeah. The go. regular room. Oh, uh, aha! See, I've got Roy Rogers right here. Let me check. Go ahead. You keep... So what songs are you working on, Ron, for the, for the, the concert? Is going to sing. Oh. She, oh, she, this one hula dancer choreographed um, a hula, a Hawaiian hula was using sign language for the Lord's Prayer. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so warm. The, the whole thing with the gal and me um, singing and playing the piano, and she's doing a little sign language stuff into a hula motion. And... and it's so warm. It's really cool. And so I had to memorize the arrangement, and then and then I had to memorize some other arrangement for other people. But, I mean, this is going to be the highlight, I think, you know, having somebody to to a nice, cool to the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. So, because she's doing it in sign language, is she going to follow your lead? Yeah. Okay. She follows the words exactly. She knows... She's all written out in time, so mm -hmm. rhythm, so she knows exactly. You know, we'll we'll be in sync. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. so. you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna stray too far away from the melody. You're gonna. You oh can, no no no. Yeah. So you're gonna pretty much stay straight to the book for her to. There you go. But yeah, but well, we have a special. It's not just an ordinary arrangement. Mm -hmm. And so it's um. Really nice. I, I I really enjoyed learning the arrangement. It's, what is the toughest song you ever had to learn? Well, when I was, you know, the hardest job I had was when I was just 21 years old, and I was into 50s rock and roll. <laughs> well, I was not. I was 19, and I was into 50s rock and roll, and I I, I enjoyed playing that kind of music, and I had to back up this jazz singer who sang, who, uh, she sang seven songs per show, and she was the, the final act per show. And I had to learn all her arrangements for, for a quartet, a trumpet, piano, bass, and drums. And it was so challenging because I had two weeks to learn about 15 songs and arrangement. That was tough. That was really, really tough. But because at the time, and when you're young, your brain and everything, and you're on a high um, adrenaline, you know, you, you, yeah, everything kicks in. And when you got to do something, somehow you you do it. And so it worked out okay, but boy, that was a challenge. You think, you think especially for, if they're jazz, you don't know exactly where they're going, right? Isn't that a little, with that little tougher? Singer, well, yeah, because the singer... Um, she sings behind the beat or whatever. So mm -hmm. You got to really pay attention, yeah, and stuff, and be on top of it, and not lose sort of where 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 the music at, mm -hmm. depending on how laid back the singer is and stuff. Well, it was a great experience. It was challenging, but a great experience. I'll never ever forget that that experience. And you know, um, 
going back to uh, old radio shows, you know, um, it's amazing how it seems like there's a resurgence of old radio shows, meaning um, I noticed with uh, so many internet uh, stations, yet there seems to be um, a younger generation that is is um, still interested yes. in, in old-time radio. My friend had a garage sale in Arizona. He lives in a country area. And this young lady came and bought some of his Superman CDs that he had, uh, that he was selling because he had duplicates and stuff. And um, she said she listens to old-time radio on XM, XM radio, you know? <laughs> and and so yeah. you find that, I guess, you know, my, my fear was, gee, what's going to happen when all people like in my age bracket who grew up with radio, mm -hmm. what's going to happen? But there seems to be um, a younger generation that will, well, Martin Graham is what, he's not that old, right? Yeah, he's 33. Yeah, yeah. And he, he was born when probably radio was already gone. Yeah, 1977. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, for many years, Ron, I've attended 33 of the old-time radio conventions so, since, since 1984. And for many years, I was the only, by far, the youngest one attending. And, but the last few years, I see uh, a, a group of young people attending these things. And on the internet with the whole time, there is a group of um, people under 40 uh, who read. And I think the internet has been a wonderful godsend for the hobby because I think people find it. Uh, I know some people who try to make their living selling products, uh, you know, it's tougher for them to make a, make a living at it, but I think to introduce it to new generation is the best thing going. And because people can multitask, they can put, turn on listen and it while they're still surfing or doing something on the net. I think it's I think it's what's going to keep this hobby going. And I'm glad because you know you you kind of hate to see this thing just die all of mm -hmm. a sudden. You know, I know a lot of the actors and actresses are are gone. But they would be happy to know that they're still remembered. It's like classical music, you know. I had dinner. Uh, I had dinner with lunch with Carlton Morris in 1985, and he was just so thrilled that people still cared about the shows. He didn't care who, who if people made money off it. He just thought it was great. 25 years later, after six shows went off, that people still remembered and they collected it. He was so for the collector just because he figured that kept the shows alive. And he's right. Yeah, and he's right. He's right. Right. You know. I understand that Dashiell Hammett was a very interesting individual, a writer. He, 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 um, he, he, um, he has a character, his personality was, um. Yeah, well, he was a private investigator before he ever started writing. So that experiences influences writing, um, yeah. you know, and I think time the radio series came around in 40, he pretty much turned that over to radio writers and things like that, but, um, but, you know, he, you know, characters lived from the thin man to Sam Spade. Yeah. 
and I think in some ways they were better in the radios and in the movies than they were in the books. I've 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 read the books, and I think the characters looked better in radio and in the films. Now, how did you read the books? I mean, did, did, did they have it on a computer? Or did... No, I, I just got the re- uh, the reading services for the blind. That's when oh. I sat down and read the, the different books of Dashiell Hammett. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, right, 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 right. You're right, you're mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah. But all these new ones, like from Martin Graham and stuff, they don't have it in, in cassette form or anything like that. Well we're, we're working on that. that. Eventually, some of his stuff will be on like an audio book format, yeah. So... Uh, we won't have, we probably won't do the whole, like, all the logs, but at least the history parts. So. Well, you know what's going on right now. They're going to do away with cassette, um, um, what do, what do you call those, four, four tracks? Yeah, that, yeah, those are going away. Yeah, and they're going to put it all on, uh... Expanded CDs, yeah. Yeah, the, the digital recording thing. Right. And, uh, um... Do you still own a, you own a four-track? Four I do. I don't even own a record player. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the, the slow-speed record player. I can play the long-spinning uh, LP record that to be talking for, book for the blind. Oh, that slow one. Oh, my God. Yeah, I still have those. You still have those? Yeah. Oh, and then it came, later they came up on floppy disk yep. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, back in, you know, that service went back to the 30s, and a lot of old-time radio actors were readers on that thing, I understand. Oh. So. Well, that's interesting. Hey, is, um, when is Yesterday USA going to change your format to CDs instead of having everybody send their things on cassette? I, I, I would assume sometime in the summer. I mean, Bill was pretty close to getting the, uh, it was, he was clearing space in his house. In other words, he was doing trash. He was throwing stuff away. From LA to Honolulu. Right? Uh huh. Yeah. From L.A. to Honolulu, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the latter years. That's great. That's I'll send him out by train, so he's not too tired by the time he has to swim. Did you, didn't we talk about, oh, yeah, we did talk about a train. Wasn't you? We we talked about sleeper cars and stuff. No. I Did I tell you I rode a train from St. Petersburg to Moscow? No, you did not. Yeah, and um, it was a sleeper car, and and it was kind of difficult to sleep on a train, and it was a real nice ride. And you know what happened though? We were okay, me and my wife, or oh, my wife and I, <laughs> or oh, me and my oh, whatever the word. <laughs> I didn't go to our Miss Brooks. She was in my English. That's, anyway, we were okay, but my friend, who is Caucasian, meaning mixed, yeah. Oh, he poor thing. He got bitten by bed bugs, mm. real bad. Oh, I know it was terrible. Gosh, so they were on the train? Yeah, they got bitten on the yeah on the train. Oh, overnighter from St. Petersburg to Moscow. And you didn't? Oh. 
I just didn't like my kind of blood. I don't know. But I, that was fine with me. But, oh, he was in bad shape. I, they they start biting. They don't stop. Yeah. I really felt well, sick. And, um, and they went on a riverboat, you know, from Moscow. Uh-huh. And I, all the different parts of Russia. I was like about a 10-day cruise or something on a riverboat. And I got to play with this jazz musician from Russia. How exciting. Talented musicians in Russia. Very talented people. And anyway, um, the only crummy thing was whenever you ate meat on the boat, you didn't know where the meat came from or what kind of meat it was. Oh. You didn't want to ask. Oh. You didn't ask because if they told me, I probably wouldn't eat it, you know. So I, 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 I didn't dare ask, what kind of meat is this? Is this beef or is this, you know, because it could be any kind. It could be buffalo. I don't know what it was. could be camel. I don't know. But it was stringy. It was kind of, <laughs> it wasn't that good. But I, I had to survive, you know. Yeah. Where are the best, uh, Ron, where We found a McDonald's. We're so happy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a McDonald's man in Moscow. Oh, the line was incredible. We we're so happy to see McDonald's. <laughs> when we were in Germany, that's what we did. We found a McDonald's. We were a happy camper. Oh, and we yeah. were driving around, and that's our holiday end. Says, I haven't stayed in a holiday in a, line, a long time, and the car just magically pulled right in. I was never so happy to eat a McDonald's Big Mac. <laughs> it was so good. So where are the best... guarantee of the, that you were actually getting hamburger? You know something? Yeah? I, I, um, as long as they tell me it was hamburger, <laughs> we lied. I was so hungry. <laughs> it, tasted, it tasted good. And they tell you not to drink the water, you know? Ah. Oh. Make sure you drink bottled water, because they're used to, to it. But our, we probably get sick. Right. But you know what's really sad? See, of course, Russia got out of communist rule. But you know they were they were so used to living under communist rule that they're happy that they got freedom. But they don't know how to. They just don't know how to adjust to it. You know, it, you, you could really feel that you're in a third world country. The roads are rough and, and everything else, and it was it was kind of a sad. It was a hard country to visit, but the people there were very nice, good musicians and stuff. But I don't think I'd like to go back. I mean, it w once um, in Russia was good enough for me, you know. When did we, when did you take this trip, Ron? We took it in. Oh, we took it in. Um, it was in a 95 or a 1995 or that. Not, not awfully long ago. Yeah, but it, it was really a neat, neat trip. Ron, what are the best musicians? What do you think the most, you know, what, what city or what country do you think had the best musicians in the world? I really can't say because, um, but I will say this, that the, the Russian musicians were good because they're so disciplined. Mm -hmm. Ah. I mean, you know, it's so hard to get into the Russian Symphony Orchestra because because there are so many good musicians mm -hmm. in 
Russia. And so this one violinist, man, he was he played by himself with no piano, no nothing. But man, he was so good. He really knew how to technically and everything. But he couldn't get into the symphony because there are so many others just as good or better than him, you know. But but it was it was a very interesting um, trip, and I was glad that I was able to to visit Russia. And I'll be glad when I get Roy Rogers <laughs> delivered to me by the Pony Express. Well, I I will I will do my best to get. I would. Wish you a happy Mother's Day, but then I guess you don't have any children, so... No, I don't. I'm, I'm not a munchkin lady yet. And it's too bad, because when you're 78 and you don't have any children, I don't oh, know. Oh, it, it's hard, you know? I mean, you'd have to enlist some resources to give you a hand here. And so, anyway, the two of you, uh, I'm enjoying listening to you guys. And, and um, well, how your, your mom is still alive, right? Uh-huh. Mine is. Yeah, what are you going to do? Well, I got her, I've been on a run, uh, giving mom for the last two Mother's Day, and it should be number three, the next set, uh, the penis cartoons. Charles Charles has a museum in San Jose, California, and in book form, they issued two years worth of cartoon scripts. So... The first volume covers the first two years. The second volume covers the next two. So I got a volume three. And then mom said, you know, let's get Kentucky Fried Chicken has a deal. Uh, for $10, you get 10 pieces of Kentucky Fried Chicken. So that's what mom wants. So we're going to have Kentucky Fried Chicken tomorrow. I love Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's a great stuff. AFC, yeah. Yeah. Patricia, is your mom still alive? No, she isn't, Ron. Oh. You know, my mom is going to be 94. Oh, my. She has Alzheimer's. Oh, dear. But oh. she loves flowers, you know, any kind of flowers. And all my grand, my my kids are, are bringing her flowers and stuff, and she's just, oh, she just beams when, you know. And my wife brought some flowers to her today. And my mom, I said, oh, because she has Alzheimer's, she doesn't talk very much. Hmm? But today when she saw all the flowers, she was so happy. Oh, that is so sweet. So what's yeah. going to happen for Gail tomorrow? Is there anything going to happen for her? Oh, we, uh, see, when you have children, they have in-laws, right? Oh. <laughs> so, and I have all girls, so more well, one boy. Um, we're going to have, because they're all tied up tomorrow with in-laws and brunches and stuff, we Gail is going to have the kids over next Sunday, and they're going to do all the cooking and stuff, and they'll spend time with her next week, Sunday. So, so how many kids do you have? I have four. One boy and three girls, nine grandchildren. And so and they're all going to come next week, Sunday. And do they, any of them have your music talent? <laughs> well, one plays in church, but she doesn't. She just plays for her own. Um, enjoyment. Uh-huh. I don't really play, yeah. But it's okay. They all have pretty decent professions, so that's more important right now. Right now, yeah. 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 Well, anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I was able to talk to you guys, um, and we'll be looking forward to, to Bar Rogers and 
I'm going to send Patricia a surprise. I won't tell oh, her what it is. Money. Um, she loves money. <laughs> she loves money. Does <laughs> <laughs> it love money? Oh, Patricia, your phone is acting up there. Yeah, I know. I think somebody's got a microwave on. Isn't that terrible? I know. It sounds like, it, it sound like the gremlins are eating her up. Yeah. Okay, right? There you go now. Uh, oh, now you sound okay. Yeah. But he has a microwave going. I moved to the other side. Mm -hmm. But you sound like you have so much frog in your throat. I yeah, I, I understand. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I think it happens uh, because I'm on a router. And I've got a cordless phone. I walk around with it in my pocket, and the interference from a microwave will do that. Patricia has me in her pocket. Isn't that nice? Yeah, I do. I've yeah. got both of you in my pocket. Uh -huh. you, you mean you actually, and you, you don't hold the phone at all? Uh-uh. I have a headset, and the, the little unit is just a couple of inches by a couple of inches, like two inches by three and a half inches, and it sits in my pocket. That's interesting. You got a good headset then, Patricia, because yeah, you, you, you really do. do. Yeah? You got good quality mic on that. As long as I stay away from a microwave. Well, where did you get the headset from? It comes with the phone. It's a, a The brand name is Plantronics, P-L-A-N-T-R-O-N-I-C-S, Plantronics. And they are apparently a very popular company for this kind of a phone. It's a cordless phone? It's a cordless phone. And you and hook a headset to the cordless phone? Uh-huh. And the headset, does it run on batteries or anything? Uh-uh. No. Oh. No. And it, and it came with the phone? Came with the phone. You sound good, darling, it, yeah? I sound good, period, Ron. I mean, you know, that's why, that's why they say for seven years you're shocking the world because... <laughs> You know, I'm just knocking people. It's not. It's not. It's a headset that's doing it. It's a headset. <laughs> I know. Now my secret is out. I really don't sound this way. It's a headset. Well, the headset um comes with the phone, and you hook the headset onto the phone. Yeah, it's got a little jack. You know the kind of jack that you use for a headset in your computer. Right. Well, the, the unit has a similar jack, only it fits a headset. Uh, you know, the um a headset with a mouthpiece. The only time you have to take it out of your pocket is you have to dial something. Else, yes, right? that's correct. But can you cut it off from the headset? Sure. I mean, I mean, hang up from it. Um, no, I, I would use a regular phone. If if I didn't have the headset, I couldn't talk. I mean, it, it's just this little unit with the headset plugged into it. So if I needed to talk on something else, it would be a regular phone. Then use the phone without the headset. Well, you gotta use it with the headset. Uh huh. Well, I the, the headset, the, the the phone. I'm sorry. The headset requires this phone, and this phone requires the headset. Okay. It's just a, it's a single unit. Is, is it uncomfortable though? After all, to have a headset. No, it's very comfortable. Very. You're very. Well, the phone is very creative. I mean, I I never thought you there was a phone like that. And you don't have to hold it in your hand. Uh-uh, I have you in my pocket. Yeah, well, that I still fit. <laughs> anyway, I will let you guys go, and I, I really appreciate them being able to answer the question. Looking forward to Roy Rogers, and so Happy New Year, and looking forward to <laughs> Happy Mother's Day and Christmas in July. That's and, right. 
and Christmas fa- in July. And happy Father's Day to you. And look how fast it's coming around. I know. Oh, oh it's scary. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Walden and I have been doing this for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. It, sound, it just seems like not that long, you know? Mm-hmm. A half. We, 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 we've been together. Aloha to the two of you, and we'll be listening the rest of the evening. Aloha, Ron. Thanks for calling. Question. Yeah. Did you ever find out what happened to the the president of your fan club, that lady? No, um, Walden knows. Occasionally I see Lucy on Facebook, but uh, maybe, she, maybe she'll give us a call, you know? Maybe, so maybe. she's still okay then? Yeah, I think so. She was going through some physical trouble for a while, you know, so hopefully... Hopefully she can give us a call soon, but uh, I know she was having some health challenges. So. Oh, because I know she loves the she loves the two of you a lot. Yeah. Well, we well, hope she'll call. Well, we'll talk to you guys later. All right, Ron. Aloha. Aloha. There's Hawaii. There's Hawaii. We we cover from the east coast to the west coast in a matter of two calls from seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Give us a call. Patricia has trivia. We can we can sit down and bake bread. You know, whatever you want to do. Seven one four five four five two oh seven one. We're not breaking bread, we're breaking a spaghetti tonight. We're serving spaghetti. We're breaking spaghetti. Both garlic bread. We're we're breaking garlic bread. Do, do you like spaghetti? I love food. You know I love food. Yes, I like spaghetti, and I really like garlic bread. And I ate up all of my lettuce last night, so tomorrow I have to go shopping and get lettuce. But I love salad, too. You know that. I know that. Yeah. Oh, this is the Food Network, everybody. Hello there. You're on air. Yeah, hi, folks. It's Ralph. Hi, Ralph. How are you? Good. What's going on? Do we have chickies yet? No, we had to put them on hold for a little while. No, I'm not finished with the coop. No, oh, I thought they, I thought they went on strike. No. <laughs> oh, I'm so disappointed. But, uh, when I was talking yeah, with, I, I got, I, I couldn't finish up on the coop like I wanted to, and I got involved in other things around here. So um, I just put them on hold for a few more weeks. So, what kind of a father are you going to be? You put well, kids on hold? <clears throat> I, I tell my, my children, say, why don't you come and visit us? Say, well, you know, I was, here for you. I was there for you all your lives. <laughs> now I'm here for you. If you want to see me, you come here. <laughs> come to see him. Well, Walden and I were talking last night, and I said, oh, boy, maybe this weekend we're going to have peeps. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited because you said you were going to name one of them Patricia. Yes. Only Absolutely. if well, that that's assuming they don't all come out as boys, right? Yeah, I, I was gonna say I have to wait and make sure it's not all the roosters. So I. I, I told Walden. He, I wouldn't want to do that. No, no. So, you, you, so how long how long do they go without names? Do they wait three months before they you name them? They, they say in a couple of weeks you can tell what they are. But they they grow very rapidly and they change. Uh, uh, greatly in just a few weeks. Hmm. Wow. I don't know. I never had a father put the delivery on hold before <laughs> because the nursery wasn't finished. Well, I haven't got time to sit on the eggs. 
hold myself here. Get a hold of yourself. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so, other than that, how have you been? Yeah, just very, very busy. I've been uh, spreading gravel and uh, cutting up an old camper shell that I had and reducing it to rubble. A whole bunch of stuff. And stuff like that there. Um, wow. What are, you, what are you doing the gravel and the chopping up for? Well, the, the old camper shell, it, uh, it just wasn't serviceable anymore. Uh-huh. And it was becoming an eyesore, so I decided to deconstruct the same. <laughs> and the, the gravel is just, um, you know, I, I got a lot of open ground here, so I, I, I try and keep it graveled uh, fairly heavily. Because uh-huh. when it rains, if it's not got gravel, it's going to get mucky. Mm. I, it shouldn't rain anymore now this year. We should be We should be set for next year. Sounds like uh, Am I gurgling or is he? You're both good right now. I'm good right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody's cooking. Why would somebody be cooking at two o'clock in the morning? Oh, it's only one thirty. <laughs> I'll tell you. You know, I'm the only one who's supposed to be up at this silly hour. Well, when, uh, Ralph, I have some new um, some new trivia questions this week. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Are you are you game? Always interested, of course. Oh, all right. What first? What kind of weather are you having? Uh, we've had a, a very beautiful week. Uh, uh, sunshine, temperature in the eighties. Uh, really, very, very nice. Quite acceptable. Couldn't couldn't ask for anything more. No snow. And the tree? No, the trees are all. Uh, all turning out their buds and uh, a few leaves here and there. It won't be long. We'll be in the summer. So you can get your boat out pretty soon. Yes, it's ready to go. It's ready to go. Okay. And like I said the lake is full. Mm-hmm. Last year uh, it was down 125 feet from the from the crest, and uh, right now it's about seven or eight feet from the crest. Mm. So we've had a lot of rain. And and you're keeping track of my mistletoe. Well, I haven't, I haven't checked on it lately, but uh, <laughs> if you want me to uh, hunt some more down for you, I will. Well, in in the winter time. I think that's when you're supposed to mess with it. Uh, I don't, I, like late November or early December. Yeah, well, we can work on that. Okay. Uh, it, it was kind of, I don't know, just didn't look right to me. I thought when it was I, when, I, when I was able to get you some. It, it was really pretty. It didn't have the white berries, and I think the white berries are only within those couple of weeks, from what I read. I mean, I've never seen mistletoe growing, so this was a real treat for me. But yeah, when oh I, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh yeah, it was really fun. Um, but from from what I read, it's only those few weeks that the white berries are ripe. Well, the next. Uh, Early next winter, I'll just have to start keeping an eye on it. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I, well, I do. I appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this next this next batch. Okay, I've got some questions. I've got some questions. Um, um, okay. Who played Hopalong Cassidy on radio, and who played Hopalong Cassidy on television? Mm. 
the only one I knew was uh, William Boyd, and uh, I think that was the guy that was on TV and in most of the movies that I've seen. And radio, you got it. You got it. Only one hoppy. Yeah, there was only one hoppy. It was William Boyd. Yeah, oh, oh, I thought you meant there were two different people. Well, it was a trick question. Uh, I cannot tell a lie. (laughs) Yeah, uh, William Boyd and his uh, partner, California Carlson, was it? Uh Yes, yes. I guess he had more than one. He had several. But California Carlson is the one most people remember. Yes. Yeah, he's the only one I really remember. Yeah. Well, you've done good. So I owe you from last week. I owe you from this week. What do you think you might like? Oh, my God. I, uh, I was thinking, trying to think of something today, but uh, nothing, nothing really piercing the front of my skull right now. <laughs> okay, so um, how about I pick something for you? Oh, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. Surprise me. I will pick for Ralph. Okay. I will do that. I'll find something good, maybe even a mixture. All right. That'd be fine. Yeah, I'll go shopping for you. Did you did you have a uh, basic topic for tonight? or? We do. We've got Mother's Day. Do you have any, you know, I mean, your mom was just such a special person. And so I am looking for a Mother's Day story, a mother's story, a Mother's Day gift story, something that has to do with mom. Well, the, the one that comes to mind is that one year I had, I had saved up some money to buy my mother a Mother's Day present, and I, I went to the, you know, Woolworths, uh-huh. five and ten cents store, huh? and... Uh, you never guess what I bought her. In a five or ten cents? No, I, I wouldn't guess. I thought she would die when she saw that. Did you buy her? What are you going to give me a flash? You what? She says, actually, you know, I, I have a feeling that I bought it for myself. <laughs> what did you buy? But I brought it off. <laughs> give it to my mother. What was it? I missed it. What did you buy? And, and, and another year I bought her a waffle iron, which was, that was welcomed. Well, then I'm lost right here. Um, Ralph, can you hear me? Ralph, yes. yeah, Patricia didn't hear. What did you buy your mom for the, for the first one? Oh, flashlight. Flashlight. Flashlight, okay. You needed that, you know, like a hole in the head. But it was nice. Me okay? Thoughtful. You were being thoughtful. Something's cutting it out. Walden, is it on my end or Ralph's end? It could be. I think I can hear both of you, so I think both of you are fine. Okay. How interesting. But he can't hear me. I'm getting you now. There you go. How peculiar. Well, we're a peculiar family, so what you... I guess my, my alien radar is going off. I have to check and see if my microwave is going. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I can't land the spaceship so close to the microwave. That's what the problem is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting in the same place I've been for weeks, so I don't, maybe I need a new location. 
Well, somebody was cooking dinner at one thirty in the morning, Patricia. I must have just threw the whole system off. I guess. Yeah, what time did you guys come on tonight? Were you later than usual? Uh-huh. We came on about just two minutes before 9 o'clock. I had to okay. I had to go run the spaghetti dinner for my line club. Yeah. Project. So we, we raised some money for for a lot of stuff here in my area. So, you know, being president, I couldn't really abandon them too early. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's the, what the happened. The Lions Club had a, oh, they had a big garage sale this last weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, I went over there, and I, I, looking around, I found this wonderful uh, Hewlett-Packard uh, flat-screen monitor. Right. With speakers in it. Wow. Brand-new-looking thing. Right. You didn't tell us it had speakers. Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, this was your $5 bargain? All this for five dollars? Yeah, it was it was a quite a deal. Wow. I, I was very happy with it. I had I had a monitor, which was slightly larger, uh, smaller screen than this, mm-hmm. and it, it weighed about fifty pounds. <laughs> and it took up about half of my desk. Now this little guy is so compact. I'm I'm amazed by it. Well, you were happy with it last week. How many other items did you pick up that were wonderful? Oh, let's see. Um, picked up uh, a couple of little uh, walkie-talkies, which will come in handy yeah. in the summertime. Yep, that would do it. And uh, what else? Uh, a couple of uh, oh, a telephone system at AT&T with the answering machine in it, the whole gizmo, another five bucks. I'll tell you, I, I, I like garage sales. <laughs> I guess garage sales like you, too. Yeah, well, I, uh, I'm a good customer. I come back every <laughs> Stuff. This is good uh, stuff. Like on Saturdays, if anything's going on, that's where Tony and I are. We'll go to breakfast and then hit the garage sales. What's the best deal you ever found at a garage sale? I'm sorry, Walter. What's the best deal you ever made in a garage sale? Oh, I got a, uh, I got a French uh, carriage clock. Do you know? Do you know what a carriage clock is? No. 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 Okay, nope. it's uh, it's got glass panels and it has a, an exposed movement that's all it's all brass. Uh, this particular clock. Uh, has a, um, it's called a repeater, mm-hmm. so you can tell what time it is, even if it's dark. Mm-hmm. You you press this lever, and it, it chimes the nearest hour, and then uh, and then one, two, three beats for the quarters of the hour. And it's, it's quite a mechanism. Uh, I paid fifteen dollars for it, and. Uh, I had a little repair work done on it. It's worth about 2000 bucks. Wow! <laughs> oh, I'm going to go shopping with you. <laughs> yeah. Look if you get a chance at a French carriage clock. They really, uh, they were designed to be taken, uh, you know, in the carriage. Uh-huh. We traveled. And it was, a, the guy says, uh, it was a, it's a rich man's clock. It sounds like it. What year do you think it was made? Uh, I don't know, Patricia. It's it's got to be over a hundred years old. My word. 
and you got it for fifteen dollars, and you put some work into it. Yeah, you going to put hundred bucks into it. Are you going to keep it or sell it? Oh, I'll keep it. I like clocks. <laughs> I remember that. Do you have watches? Have you collected watches over time? Uh, a few. Yeah, I have. A, I have a Hamilton uh, comparing watch, which is a, a military version. It has a 24-hour dial rather than a 12-hour dial. Uh-huh. And then I have two, um, and that's a Hamilton 23-jewel. And I have two Hamilton 21-jewel railroad watches. Oh, wow. What the... And, um, what else? Railroad watches. I what? have a 17-jewel Waltham uh, gold hunter's case. Mm-hmm. It's really, really nice. How old are the... Watchmen, the the train watchmen. Oh, they they're probably uh, most likely out of the thirties, because uh, uh, I would say thirties and forties. And the uh, the Hamilton comparing watch, the the one with the military time on it. Uh, I have I have a feeling that that's somewhat earlier because the case on it is. Uh, it's 9.99 silver, mm-hmm. and it, it is worn from being carried. Mm. It's, it's just had a lot of uh, a lot of use, and I'm sure it's been around the world and, uh, several times. It's what, um, you know, on a ship they have a chronometer, uh-huh. or they had a chronometer. It's, they don't need them anymore, but it was an ultra-accurate clock. And when all the, the clocks on the ship needed to be set, the quartermaster would go to the, uh, to the um, oh, my goodness. He would go to the, the, the main clock, the chronometer, and he would, set, he would set this little comparing watch to the exact second, and then he would go around the ship and wind all the clocks and set them to that time. Oh, he he really did compare clocks to this watch. Yeah, yeah, and you know all the clocks were wind-up clocks. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There, there were no electric clocks and no uh, no clocks with synchronous motors that that could be set from a central location. So it had to be done, you know, by by hand. Wind them, set them, and if they needed polishing, he would polish them. Ah. Uh. What's the neatest watch you ever worked on? You know, something that uh, somebody took something in at you and you said, this is something else. Uh, the, 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 um, the most intricate thing I ever, I ever worked on was a, uh, it was a, a clock out of an aircraft, a military aircraft. And it had, uh, it had the, the time, uh, it had the, the date, it had uh, an elapsed time, like you would you would push a button and set it to zero, and if you wanted to time something, you'd just click it, and it would, it would uh, register the minutes on one dial and the hours on another dial, and it was quite a, quite a clock. And there's a, I'll tell you, if, if you've never looked or seen inside of a clock, there was a lot going on in there. Very 
interesting. That sounds like it. Was that the the busiest watch you ever worked on? When I say busy, with the most mechanisms or the most movements? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was very intricate. It had all the bells and whistles. What the, What is the oldest clock or watch you ever worked on? Oldest. The oldest, uh-huh. Well, I don't think I worked on anything really, really old. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, I worked on the military clocks and watches, and I did spend some short time in civilian life uh, working as a watchmaker. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can't think of anything, you know, really old or anything of a, a very high standard of quality that I worked on that, mm -hmm. that impressed me. Mm-hmm. That, that old uh, chrono that, uh, chronograph clock that I had in the service, that was something else. Sure sounds like it. Yeah. I can see the little wheels now. So what happened to most washes stop? Is it because they they lose oil? What, what makes washes normally stop? Well, you know... Uh, uh, watches, uh, they use, a, at that time, we used a whale oil, mm -hmm. a very fine oil. But uh, after a while, oil thickens up and kind of congeals, mm -hmm. and it slows the mechanism down, and eventually it stops them. And uh, other things like, you know, uh, broken balance staffs, uh, that's probably the, the biggest uh, stopper of watches. Somebody bangs it and breaks that little little tiny tiny wheel in there and then you have to replace the center shaft on it uh, I like that that's <laughs> but it, it was it was very interesting work mm -hmm. I would think so you're a very interesting person oh yeah <laughs> you are you are. If, after we hang up on Saturday night, sometimes Walden and I will say, do you believe that story that Ralph told? Wasn't that a hoot? You're the hoot. I, 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 I try. <laughs> I don't think you have to try. It just comes naturally to you. Oh, I, I uh, sorry about that good humor, man. <laughs> I read your note to Walden, and he just lost it. <laughs> Oh, it's very nice of you to send it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, Patricia. Can love All you. is forgiven. <laughs> well, it's funny. Anytime, uh, not only as a kid, but any time in my life that I, I, I did something as a stunt, I always managed to be in the background watching, <laughs> <laughs> watching it take place. Oh, my. Your mom must have been a very special lady. Yeah, well, she put up with a lot, and so, so did Tony. Oh, my. Oh, my. One day, um, I'm going to take Tony aside, and we'll get all of this squared away. Oh. She used to, I used to come home and tell her stories, and she'd say, I have to love to be a fly on the wall so I could see and hear what you guys do. I said, you know, you really probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> but she she was always uh, always there in the morning to hear the stories. Cause I, I worked like graveyard shift uh -huh. for nine years, and uh, a lot of things happened after midnight. 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am an old evening shift and night shift lover, so I, I know those kinds of things. Well, you did. Oh, you worked just... Mm-hmm. Sure did. Loved evening shift. That was my favorite, and I I did my best to stay there. All the people had other ideas for me, but I did my best. Oh, God. Yeah, well, you know, when I, when I first went on graveyard shift, it was because I had a lack of seniority. Uh-huh. And uh, then, you know, as years went by, I, I moved up and up and up, and I still preferred the graveyard shift. Yep. And I, I got to the point where I could have weekends off, and I used to pick Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday because the, the waterways were clear back east, and I could get out there and water ski and fish and do all the good stuff. Yep. My rationale, exactly. Yep, I loved that. And stuff like that there. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing something in the background. I don't know if Tony's listening in downstairs or what. No. No, that's your responsibility. We can't tell. He's got gonna the have television. That out for us. <laughs> so, uh, what else? I don't have anything else to report. Uh, that's about it. Have you got anything to report? Nope, we were just waiting for the chicks. <laughs> yeah, that was the highlight when we were planning our show tonight. Last night, we were saying, well, Ralph must have a chick story. Yeah, and even Walden said, this is so neat, it'll be Mother's <laughs> Day. <laughs> yeah, it, it just didn't happen right, right the way we figured it oh, would. Oh, well, I'm crushed. I'm crushed. You left the kids because the nursery wasn't finished. So, once the dude, are you going to have him by Memorial Day? Hopefully, yes. Okay. I'm okay. striving for that. Okay. I gotta get him, you got to get him in the springtime. I understand it's the best time to get him. And then they, they don't have to put up with the cold weather when they're young, uh, and they okay. thrive rather well. And, and you don't have winter, they'll be ready for winter. And you don't have to have the kids running around when they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're hoping that, uh, we get some productive little gals. <laughs> Patricia will be a star performer. That reminds me of a chicken joke, which I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I better stay out of this one. <laughs> um, oh, this, is a, this is a family show. This is a this is a family show, Ralph. Thank you. <laughs> oh, good. Maybe maybe you could put it in an email. Yeah, if I could if I could get it together. Uh, I told you before I, I I can I can tell them better than I can write them. I just have a, an awful time putting things down on paper. Oh, you can do it. I'm not a talented writer like some people. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Well, maybe maybe next week you could call Walden off the air and tell him the joke, and he can share it with me. And I'll just, and I'll just say, Patricia, I wish you had been there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, I'll... I'll, I'll uh... I'll get, I'll get it to you one way or another. Okay. It must be good. This must be a good I, one. I like it. <laughs> then it must be good. 
Hey, listen, I don't want to tie up the radio all night. Uh, I'm just glad I got in uh, to talk to you. I'm glad you called. I'll put together a surprise CD for you, and then you can tell me which ones you like. Hi, girl. Okay. All right. You have a good week, and happy Mother's Day to Tony. Yeah, I'm taking her out. All right. Good. All right, uh, Walden and Patricia, uh, pleasure talking to you, and you have a good evening. You too, Al. See you soon. Bye-bye. 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 714-545-2071. We're up and about. We're up and about. Three before 11 here on the West Coast, and we'd love to hear from you. 714-545-2071. you're a new caller, you can qualify for a CD. A phone call in exchange for radio shows. That sounds like a winner to me. Yeah, it sure is. Sure is. 714-545-2071 is our number. I have something. I have something. Pick me, pick me, pick me, please. Please. What do you think I should do, everybody? Oh, my hand is up. Please pick on me. I have something. Hmm. What do you think? What do you think? Something good. Hmm. Even if you don't pick on me, I'm going to tell. So <laughs> me. Patricia? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see here. <laughs> let's see here. I think it's the right hand is up. Yes. <laughs> what do you have? I always raise my right hand. Okay. Yes. Yes. Me? Yes. I have just picked you, my dear. What do you oh, have? Oh, thank you. Yes. You know how good I've been about finding free ice cream? Yes. Well, free frozen yogurt from TCB. B-Y ah. is, is almost as good. I really like it. It's very good. Very good. Okay. This is a Mother's Day thing. Best way you can put chocolate sprinkles on it. Uh, yeah? Uh-huh. Never had it with sprinkles, but they've got they've got a no sugar added product. They've always got at least one to choose from. Sugar added? So you add sugar to it? No, no. No, it really tastes good. I don't know what they sweeten it with, but they don't put any extra sugar in there. You know, you get sugar in the milk. That's That's a natural... Uh, occurrence and stuff like that, but they don't add sugar to it, and it tastes fine. Tastes good enough for, for Patricia. Yeah. All right. Your T C B Y. I wonder what that really stands for. I know it. Just um. Oh dear. I'll have to think of it. Um. It does have it, and and it was the whole name when they first came out, and then they changed it to just. The letters like KFC, mm-hmm. and of course the Y stands for yogurt. Um, I'll have to look it up. I don't remember. But anyway, they will give moms a free cup of ice cream or a free cone of mm. frozen yogurt nice. on Mother's Day. Nice. That's a good deal. Yeah. Good deal. So how do you prove it to your mother? I was just wondering that. If you have to bring your birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> No, one of the basketball players. Oh, one of the really tall ones. Maybe Michael. Oh, dear me. I don't know. I can't remember who it was. Um, give me some some popular well, uh, well, players. Well, Chamberlain, Abdul Kareem Jabbar. Closer, Bill, more, closer to today. Bill Russell, uh, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Lori Bird. No, uh, I mean, it's like um, Shaquille O'Neal's era. Oh, well, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's see here. Yeah, a piece of work. Michael Jordan, maybe. Okay. It was Michael Jordan. One of them got sent to the movies by his mother with his birth certificate because he was so tall they would charge him the extra 50 cents if he didn't show up with his birth certificate. <laughs> Isn't that cute? <laughs> Must have been Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has a cool mom. Yeah. birth certificate <laughs> <laughs> that's not the place i'd want to lose my birth certificate they're they're not easy to get you know i know gee whiz that's okay true. so anyway that's that's my treat tcby has free frozen yogurt a cup or an ice cream cone for moms nice and the ps here is if your mom is the type who hates money being spent on her this could be a wonderful treat <laughs> It was it was from an article about really cheap things that you can do on Mother's Day if you don't have any money. And this was one of them. You could take your mom. And there was another place you could take your mom for a free breakfast, but it was only for a couple of hours up until 11 o'clock. And the entire thing, if you had to pay for it, was only 99 cents. So they, they didn't think that was a very good idea to take your mom and could have been Big Lots? Does Big Lots have food? I don't know. Never been to one. I don't recall that I've ever been in one either, but it was one of the big dealies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you could go shopping for a coffee table while your mom ate French fries or something. So, anyway, that's the Mother's Day goodie for the ice cream this week. I'm so happy I've got an unbroken record. This is my fourth week with free ice cream. You are hunting for bargains for the I'm, listeners. I'm doing a good job. Yeah. I may have to switch to something like chocolate cake at one point mm -hmm. if I run out of free ice cream. Ice cream, ice cream, we all scream for ice cream. Yes. I do have some Mother's Day goodies, though. What you got? Would you like some Mother's Day I goodies? I would love some Mother's Day goodies. All right. Then would you give a number first, and then I'll give you some Mother's Day goodies. The number is, let's see here, one seven zero two five four five four one seven. Or if you reverse, if you re flip that over, it really turns out to be 714-545-2071. I even knew what you were doing. Well, you did. I did. You just said give a number, and I gave a number. Yes, you did. You know. Confused in the beginning, yeah. but when you got to the one, I knew where you were going. Or you could always call 411, or, you know, you know, 1-800-555-1212. And ask for, huh? Yeah. Yeah, ask for my name. Uh-huh. But I'm not listed. Uh-uh. My dad's listed. In the 800 directory? No. I don't know. I don't think so. The 800 directory? Yeah, no. I don't think so. I don't I, think so. I don't think so. I don't have a 1-800 number. I just have the 714 number. I think I'd better give you some Mother's Day stuff. Oh, shoot. I have one that is... Especially for you. All right. What do you I got? found the name of Snoopy's mommy. Oh. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the internet is correct. Snoopy's mom is named Missy. Wow. I like that. So you'll have to remember that forevermore. I have to because Patricia will have that in her database. She's already got it in her brain now. It's in her peanuts database. Uh-huh. 
And do you mm-hmm. remember where Snoopy was born? Uh, Puppy Hill, Dale, Dale, see, Daisy Hill Puppy Farm. Very good. Good thing we worked on that last night. Very good. That was a hard one for you to remember. I know. Words screwed up on I that know. one. I know, I know. Okay, well, I have a quote that goes with Mother's Day. Sure. What do you have? No matter how old a mother is, she watches her middle-aged children for signs of improvement. (laughs) I liked that one. They had a whole bunch of ones that, you know, didn't have any humor to them. Mm -hmm. This one one tickled me. So where did Mother's Day come from? Oh, would you like to know? I sure would. Oh, my goodness. And, um, Anna Jarvis. Anna Jarvis was the mother of Mother's Day. And she started in the early 1900s. West Virginia was the first state to designate Mother's Day as an official holiday, and that was in 1910. And four years later... Congress passed the joint resolution that President Wilson signed, this was on May 9th, 1914, establishing the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. But Anna Jarvis was a daughter who loved her mom, and her mom had died, and she and her sister, but particularly she, went to bat and decided a Mother's Day needed to be created, and she did. She was in Philadelphia. Anna Jarvis from Philadelphia. Well, thank you, Anna. I think I had the answer, did you? Well, I'm not surprised. You do have it. Oh, but see, you always ask me something. I'll say, gosh darn it, I knew you were going to ask me that. Mm -hmm. This time I was ready. So, what are Mother's favorite flowers? Oh, I can tell you which flower represents Mother's Day. Okay. I picked the wrong one. It's a white carnation, but I don't, I'm guessing roses would be the favorite among people. I wonder what's the most popular gift that people send mothers. I can tell you. Okay. Candy is number one, and flowers are number two. I would have thought the other way around. So if mother has an allergy, she hates chocolate, then what do you do? The next one on the list, are you, are you holding on? You better sit down for this one. Okay. An, An iPad. I know. I didn't know. When I got to the iPad, I stopped looking. (laughs) I was, you know, going for the romantic stuff, like take mom out to dinner or, you know, bring her on a picnic. (laughs) It was an iPad as a Mother's Day gift. That seemed to be a hot, popular item lately, the iPad thing. I guess so, if it's it's number three on Mm -hmm. the hot topic for mom and Mother's Day list. Mm -hmm. But what really surprised me was that people, I'll ask you this, how much do you think the average person spends on Mother's Day gifts? $80. $148. Wow! I mean, I could eat for a month for $148. <laughs> I mean, I loved my mom, but... $148. Give me. I knocked my socks off. Patricia, just think, if you had kids and they gave you that equivalent of food, you wouldn't have to worry about for eating for two to three months. That's right. Wow. I have to start working on this, huh? $148. That's $148. amazing. $148. Now, one of them said $140. Another one said $148. And they said it was up 
from last year's $126. Well, I still would bet, I would bet the house, and I am a betting person, that when we look, when we get in June to look at Father's Day. It's not going to be there. <laughs> it's going to be $148. It's not going to be $148. Well, you know, well, I'll, I'll save this. <laughs> I won't make a comment. You, you asked Nolan this last week. Yeah. About. Father's Day versus Mother's Day gifts, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping some of the dads will call in and give us some thoughts when it comes around to Father's Day, because I've always had the sense that Father's Day was not as critical to men as Mother's Day is to women. I think you're right. I think for dads, I think they're happy to have a nice dinner. Uh huh. And that's about it. And if you call and say, Dad, I can't stop by today, but I'll pick you up tomorrow, or I'll, I'll be there for lunch on Wednesday, it would be more acceptable to Dad to be remembered on Father's Day than to have Father's Day observed at that particular time. Mm-hmm. For women, it, it would not be true. No, I, I, think, I think mothers would say, what? You didn't make time for your dear old mother who slaved and worked and gave birth to you? Sunday is Mother's Day, not <laughs> Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Somebody took lessons from my mother. <laughs> so now we've got some mother's rules and instructions. Oh, this should be good. Yeah, this is good. This okay. is good. Okay. If everyone else jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? No. But that's that's the expression you would get back when you say, but mom, everybody's doing it. Can I go? And the answer is, if everyone else was jumping off a cliff, would you go to... to and so that, you know, your mom doesn't say things like that, does she? No, no. She, she'll, she'll say, Walden? Yes. I see the, You're not going to wear those pants at the Lion Club dinner day. Okay, yes, Mom. That's what she does. Uh-huh. uh-huh. But if you said, but everyone wears these, what would she say? I don't know. I never have, I've never pulled that card. So I don't know. Well, kids who pull that card... Typically here, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you do it? I've never heard any of my parents ever use that expression. Oh, that's a common one. Please give me a call and bail me out here. (laughs) (laughs) I I have never heard anybody ever use that expression. All right. You know, the the, the classic one for me is somewhat similar. You know, there's 100 children leaving food on a plate. Oh, yes. Yes. And, uh, and you know what the right answer is for that. Yeah, poor starving children in. And if it was fish, you would put it in an envelope. <laughs> I wish it, I'd be happy to let them eat the food. I would be happy to let them have it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that was not the object of the game. The object <laughs> have kids clean off the plates, as in eat it all, not clean it off and mail it to the... But, you know... <laughs> Reverse psychology doesn't work. They try to make the kid feel guilty, and the kid's going to say, Okay, why don't I share what I don't like to eat? Makes sense to me. I know. I know. I think you've been happy to donate your Brussels sprouts to a bunch of hungry children. I would have donated my Brussels sprouts to anyone who would have taken them. (laughs) Anyone. And I would have tried to force them on to people who didn't want them as well. Do not like Brussels sprouts. Icky, icky, icky. I'm going to hear from Dennis tonight. I know it. You know it. In my heart. You you really know it. Yeah. Cross your heart and hope you die. Yeah. Here's another one. Are you ready? Yes. Don't talk with your mouth full. 
Oh, uh, that I get that all the time. You still yeah. do? Yeah. Well, then you try to talk with your mouth full. Well, best when they ask me questions. Uh-huh. And here I put food in my mouth. Warm? What do you think? What, so my both not talk for 30 seconds? Yes. I do. Especially after mom gets on my case. Yeah. You know. Hmm? Yeah. Your mom's yeah. a neat lady. Well, you know her. So you know my mom. So, you know, that's what happens. But my mom has... My mom has great disciplinary table manners, and she still told told the line. Don't talk with your mouth full. Uh huh. That is that is that's that's high on noise. Yes. The next one is your room looks like a tornado hit it. Your mom never said that either, did she? Well. Close. Y- yeah. For <laughs> very close. How, how close is it? It is so close. It's really, it's, it's so painfully close that she'll to say, <clears throat> you got too much stuff in here, or, or something like that, yeah. Okay, well, you're in the right ballpark anyway. But, you know, my family favorite expression when, when I move really fast is... Paint. Well, yeah, but that's my nickname, but you're a bull in a china closet. China shop. Uh, but they, will you closet? You say the closet? Yeah. Boy, that would be rough. Uh huh. Yeah, I can, I can understand. I, I'll believe that. Yeah. I'll believe that. All right. I always thought you were just a little, a little skinny kid. I know. A little skinny kid. You're a bruiser. I am. Yeah, you're a bruiser. Yeah. Okay. All right. We've gotten to clean up your room. Yeah. Well, this is something that you might find in old time radio. When a kid gives this elaborate reason for being late or for wanting to do something, and the mm-hmm. parent says, "Do you think I was born yesterday?" Oh, I never heard that one. I think you never one. did. No, never did. Man, we gotta get your mom on the phone here. Okay, here's here's one. Everybody recognizes this one, except perhaps Walden. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I said so. That's why. Yeah. You never heard that one either. I've heard people use, but my folks never did that. No. Because I said so. Uh huh. No, was, that my, was a favorite. Yeah, my mom said that. No, before. my my folks oh. were my my folks would give us an explanation. Yeah, that would have been really nice. Uh huh. I would have appreciated that. You would. Yeah, we have to get a patent on your mom. Okay, money doesn't grow on trees. Folks never used that. We, even though we didn't have money a lot of time, they never used that as excuse. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's for kids. Mom, can I please have this? Dad, mm-hmm. can I please have that? What do you think? Money grows on trees. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Which is kind of a dumb expression, but well, I, yeah. But, I guess it must be utilitarian because it's still with us. It's survived. Right. Okay. Here, here's here's the good one. Here's the good one. Do you have clean underwear on? What will people think if you're in an accident? Yeah. Now I know. I was never done in my family, but I think I've, other people used that. I mean, th- you have to trust me. I You're think in an emergency room after you've been run over by a car. Uh-huh. There aren't a whole lot of people who are going to pay attention to your underwear. You, you sure? You sure of that? Got it. Did you ever let your mom know? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here's here's one. I know your mom never used this. You're not normal, Walden. You don't have normal experience. No, I don't. Oh, gee. Yeah. Okay. All right, here's here's one that everybody recognizes, except Walden. Don't you use that tone with me. You're right. 
You're right. Okay. Now, this one Bob Bro uses in the chat room every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Don't make me come in there. That's after you say, yep, make any yep, noise. Yep, Don't make me yep, come in there. Yep. And that's followed by, I'm coming in there right now. Yep. The third one is, don't make me come in there again. No. They follow in sequence. No, my, my folks never do that. They just come in. <laughs> I, mean, I guess maybe they had guts. They didn't, they didn't bother with small, small words. I guess oh, it, it would be like if you and your brother were playing baseball in the house. Uh-huh. I know you Which did. Which we did, yeah. Yeah, okay, and here's, here's one. Uh, not everybody hears this one. And who do you think you are? Yeah. Or who do you think you are anyway? Yeah. No. You no. heard that one? No, it was never used. Not from your parents, but you you're familiar. Uh, yeah, with I'm familiar with that concept. Yeah. All right. Now this one, I don't know. You know, this this never happened at my house, but I know it happened a lot. Just <laughs> wait until your father gets home. <laughs> Leave it to Beaver. Poor Beaver used to get hollered at. Yeah. Like, just yeah. until your father gets home. Well, that wasn't a deal, Mike. Cause my dad was home because he worked the night shift. Ah. Okay. So. All right, so yeah. the punishment. And, it, it, you know, it's really sad because the poor dad would walk in the house and the kids would run in different directions. <laughs> you know, they were scared about what was going to happen. Oh, uh, yeah. And the poor guy would walk in and say, where did the kids go? Where did they Well, you have to talk to so-and-so. Yes, go well, punish him. <laughs> <laughs> go punish those. But he did it this afternoon. I know, but you have to punish him. <laughs> My goodness, fathers, they really, they really do get short shrift here. Yep. Worked all day, come home, and the mother said, go take care of that problem. Yeah, and yeah. then they don't get $148 spent on father. <laughs> no. Compounding everything else. All right, here's, here's one. We can talk about the rules when you start paying rent. Nope. That was never used out here. Okay. Nope. Pretty good. All right. And this one, no matter what, I'll always love you. Well, I'll say that. Do they? However, it's yeah. coupled with, yeah. do, no matter what, I'll always love you. So I get that version of unconditional love. Right. No matter what, I'll <laughs> always love you. And the last one is, don't believe everything you hear. No, nope, that was never used. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, don't believe everything you, you read on the Internet. Yep. Don't believe everything you hear. Yep. So, but I, I thought it was kind of cute to have them back to back. No yeah. matter what, I'll always love you, but don't believe everything. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Oh, anyhow, that's yeah. my Mother's Day. Yeah. Does anybody remember that kind of stuff? 714-545-2071. Mother. Mother stuff. Mother. Mr. Rogers, who wore a sweater. Yes. Won't you be my neighbor, Mr. Rogers? I grew up watching Mr. Rogers, yeah. Did you know that most of his sweaters in the earlier years were knitted by his mom. I did not know that. Mr. Rogers' mother knit his sweaters. I know he was a minister. I, I remember that. Yeah. Help. I think it was named Jim, Jim Rogers or Jimmy Rogers. Hello there, you're on the air. Oh, this is Dennis. Hello, oh, Dennis. Wait, hello, Dennis. I'm in trouble, aren't I? Well, I just tuned in, and I heard a few of your quips, so this might be a repeat. Okay. But... Look at what you made me do. Oh, yes. See what you made me do. Uh-huh. You did that one already, huh? No, no. No, that's a new one. <clears throat> but I'm familiar with it. I know what you're talking about. I always thought that was so funny. Uh-huh. After the first three times, I started to think about it, and I go, 
wait a minute, I made you do that? <laughs> There's a book that was written in the 1960s or 70s called The Games People Play by Eric Byrne, who was a psychologist, and the games are, as you are describing it, one of the games is See What You Made Me Do trying to transfer responsibility and guilt onto another person. I drop an egg in the kitchen and I'm blaming you in the garage. So, yes, see what you made me do. You can't make anybody. You can't be responsible for what somebody else does. You were a very smart kid. It took me actually a couple of years to figure it out, but... Well, you're still a smart kid. At any rate, I did do my homework, even... Ah, okay. Oh, it's three weeks late. What did you do? I uh, looked into Take a Buy. Do you remember? Yes. And it turns out the only real reference I can find to it is from chess. And from chess tournaments, in fact. For heaven's sake, I've never heard that expression associated with chess. How, how is it tied in? When you take a buy, mm -hmm. um, there, there are two ways. One is if there's an odd number of players in the tournament and you have no one to play with. Uh -huh. Then you can take a buy if you want or not. Which means? And if you do take a buy, it means that you get scored a win oh, in the tournament. There's no choice on that one. Well, except your honor. You don't take a win. Oh. Uh -huh haven't earned it. Oh. And uh, they offer it. the second way is if it comes up to a game and your partner is indisposed, then you can take a bye and you will score a draw, which is half a point in the tournament. That sounds acceptable too. Yeah. And I've never played tournament chess. I only play chess for fun. But I, I just thought it was interesting because all these people use it, like, you know, in the radio shows. Mm -hmm. so they go, I'll take a buy on that. And I'm like, oh, wow. They got that from chess? <laughs> Walden had said, you know, he thought it was from poker or card game or something. Uh -huh. Right, I thought it was a card game. But it actually, apparently, it comes from chess. Oh. Now, when you say, I'll take a buy on that, it's the word B-Y, not B-Y-E? B-Y-E. B-Y-E? Yeah. Oh, so it's like bye-bye. I'll take a bye-bye on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's it. B-Y-E is when you're saying goodbye to somebody. Goodbye now. <laughs> I'll yeah. take a bye. B-Y means I'll let it go by. B-Y-E means to say goodbye, and B-U-Y means to purchase something. So we've got three versions. Well, I tried three versions when I searched it. And it was B-Y-E. B-Y-E was what? That's the one that came up. Isn't that interesting? Well, thank you for teaching me that. I went and got one for you. Uh-oh. I really did. It was good. And, I mean, the meaning is obvious, but I didn't know where it came from. Go back to the drawing board. Hmm. Meaning you, you, you got to go back and start again because you, you messed up. But the origin of it was a cartoon in the New Yorker magazine during World War II. 
It was an invent, a newly invented, it was a cartoon, a, a newly invented aircraft that was exploding and just falling apart while it was still on the ground. And the designer, the caption underneath, the designer was just kind of unmoved and he's got this catastrophe in front of him. And he just shrugged his shoulders and said, oh, well, back to the old drawing board. And that's where it came from. Huh. Proud of me for finding that for you. It's amazing. Yeah. Were you listening last week? I've been a little under the weather recently. Oh, I'm sorry. I had one for you last week, too. Raining cats and dogs. Where did that come from? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it blew me away. It was from the 1700s in England, where the streets were so fetid, I guess is the correct word. They were just awful and full of bad stuff that when torrential rains hit, everything would wash down in the gutters, including dead animals like cats and dogs. And so people would see these things going by, and when that happened, it meant that it was just pouring from the heavens, and it was so hard that it made it look like it was raining cats and dogs because the cats and dogs would be floating down the street. And that makes some sense. Yeah, it, it does, but I didn't quite expect it to be that brutal. <laughs> you know, I thought maybe a little nursery rhyme somewhere along the way would have done it, but it, it was actually rooted in reality. And I did that for you. And I have a question for, I, I think, you might know too, but uh, this is for Walden. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. I've been listening to some of the theatrical um, radio, like, you know, Lux Radio Theater, and right. NBC had one. Right. Um, and I'm kind of wondering why they would do, like Cecil B. DeMille, why he would do a reprise using the same actors on radio of what he did a movie for. They're not just trying to sell soap. Are they trying to build their audience base, or what was their motivation? I think, I think in a way it was. I mean, they were spending $20,000 a show. Um, Cecil B. DeMille's salary was gigantic, like $1,500 or so a week at the reading lines. Um, you know, I think you, we got to think back and... Back then, the movies were the biggest draw in terms of entertainment, mm-hmm. and it was something else to get a Clark Gable on the air, and his fee was five thousand dollars. So it was worth, and I think radio the, show. Yeah. Wow. It was five thousand dollars a radio show, and his, and so it must, it must have been a draw. Uh, to, you know, and the average person was, I think, attending movies three, twice a week, sometimes three times a week. So, you were banking on, um, the, the numbers. The numbers He grew. also served a, a high-class segment of the radio audience, and a radio drama carried a lot more weight. It, it, it would be the equivalent of going to... High school music, not a high school musical, that's not right. Um, listening to a band play as opposed to going to a ballet 
you would get musical instruments in both of them. But listening to a radio show of that caliber was highbrow stuff. Also, think of it this way, too. Special uh, CBS, that's where Lux generally was the home on. Uh-huh. They didn't have the firepower NBC. NBC had the firepower having the comedians. And generally, the comedians made the big bucks. So, it was a way on Monday nights where CBS could at least make a dent into NBC's hold on the listening public. Uh-huh. And because they had Lux, which Lux, you know, Lux started having movie stars endorse their soap in 1915, they went ahead and just put the whole package to get together. And it was worth it to them for CBS and to Lux to make him inroads into the rating book. And that's why... I hadn't really thought about it being a competition between the networks. Yeah, it it also was. Part of the reason why um, when CBS did the talent raid in the late 40s to take away all the big-time comedians away from NBC, in order to compete, NBC went ahead and created the Screen Director Playhouse, you know, the movie show... They went with the big show, you know, movies and Broadway stars to try to fill in some of those gaps. So the movie industry was very important to radio, and they were willing to pay big bucks. When I had um, Peter Ford on, my friend, he's the son of Glenn Ford and Arthur Power, uh, he sent me an email. He said, I was looking through Dad's notes, and in 1949... He had, he, his detective show was opposite Jack Benny, and he was getting paid $5,000 a show. Whoa! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so he was, you know, so that's what he was getting for a 30-minute a uh, detective show. Uh-huh. So the movie industry, the movie industry had a draw in, in Hollywood. Uh, the, the radio actors loved doing those shows because... That was their biggest payday. For Lux Radio Theaters, they got five days of rehearsal, and they were getting paid for the rehearsal, so their checks, their weekly checks, were over $130. And that was great money in the, in the 40s for a radio actor. Money. I'm, I'm tapping into, I think, Dennis, what you asked in the beginning. Why would somebody want to listen to a radio show when they already went to the movies or mm-hmm. something was available to them in the movies? Why didn't they get something new also, on radio? Also, here's another factor. Was I, excuse me, I'm, I didn't mean to step on you all. No problem. Am I on target with that, Dennis? Well, what I was really wondering was if the compressed, mm-hmm. in, in my mind, like the Reader's Digest condensed version of the book, mm-hmm. right. these radio shows actually made people want to go and see the movie. Well, some... Was why they did it. So, it depending on... Let me answer... Like, was Patricia threw out something at me, and you just threw out something. Let me address... Sorry. Me, no, no. You guys do great questions. I think I can answer both. For, Patric- for Patricia... Um, we're supposed to thinking not the whole country got the, the movie at the same time. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. A lot of times that thing got rolled throughout the country. 
And so, let's say it hit the big cities in New York and L.A. and Chicago, and sometimes those radio versions would be filled within the closing, but a lot of the country hasn't seen the movie. So, it was, it, it was sort of a promotion. In the Depression, what, what um, time frame are we talking about with Lux Radio Theater? It started in 1934 and went to 1955, but it made the move to Hollywood in 1936. Okay. So the Depression years were very much in there. Right. Now, there are people who couldn't go to the movie. Well, there were people. And were grateful that they had the same story available on radio. Well, look at two, two other couple of things, too. Look at the population base. How many were living on in the rural area of America and on farms who didn't have, A, the money, or didn't, it was such a, a major have to go to the city to right. watch a movie. Which is essentially what I was asking. There were people who, who could not, right. one reason or another, and economics is certainly one of them. My, my, my great-grandmother did not get electricity until after World War II. If you think about it, some parts of the country in the rural America and the farmlands didn't get have electricity, didn't have things, so they were yeah. running on batteries. Um... Also, another factor, now, not every movie was licensed to be ever broadcast. For example, you can you cannot find a copy of Gone with the Wind. Uh, you know, some of the famous movie directors kept certain movies away from radio. Because they felt they spent so much money in the property that they mm-hmm. never, never, never allowed it to be licensed. To, it, it would dilute it, sure. Uh, uh-huh, or, uh... Maybe they figure it was just too hard of a movie to adapt. I, I, I would think somebody got common sense and realized that if you try to meet, redo perfection in another format, something's going to get hurt. Well, also, remember, too, we're living in a different areas of movies where a lot of movies people have spent no problem spending two and a half hours going to a movie. So they only get one movie. Back in the golden days of Hollywood, you got a double double features. Always. And those movies maybe ran out. So the adaptation wouldn't have been as hard. Hmm. Not for an hour show like Rock Trail Theater. Hmm. But but you listen to some shows. And there was there was also I think it was an NBC effort. Mm-hmm that um, was united with the University of Kentucky and a couple other universities? Uh-huh. Yeah, the NBC Universal Theater, right. They uh, they took the classics, and then they made it part as a college educational course. And it would have... How did that work out? Oh. I don't know if it really... Was, I don't know how successful it was. It was on for about two, two and a half years. I don't, I've read it, I don't know really if it was all that successful. Um, I know what was a more successful format. In the 30s, especially for school, NBC offered a daily broadcast that school tuned in that taught kids the appreciation of classical music. That was highly successful. Interesting. Yes. So you would have uh, the the music, the orchestra, the uh, 
you know, the um, symphony orchestra leader explain to the kid what they're going to hear, the instrument, and the play, and they teach music appreciation. That was highly successful in the, back in the 30s. But I don't know um, if the one that you're speaking of, the NBC Universal Theater, how successful that was. I think that was broadcast on a Sunday. So maybe kids didn't bother. It, it had to be, uh, you know, a course assignment that a college professor will listen to this and we're going to talk about this. I don't know how many professors yeah. did that. Well, I can tell you what they do now. Tell me. They, um, they show old Twilight Zone um, things in school and they call it educational. Um, I'm not going to argue that the content of the stories is interesting and educational, but somehow it doesn't stack up to those NBC shows that I heard, you know, in the last year or so. <laughs> the yeah. classics. I was thinking, you know, the only time I, I remember, I think in high school, occasionally not, which they've done more often, they would show the classic You Are There TV shows when you were in history class. To me, that was fun. You know. Yeah, well, I thought... I, they didn't show them in school, but I had I have seen some of those. Mm-hmm. And those were okay. But Twilight Zone? Nah. Yeah. It, it doesn't quite stack up to, uh, to the classics that the NBC theater... Correct. Correct. Well... How do we teach literature to kids anyway? I mean, if they're not willing to read, how do we force? How do we get them to read on their own? You almost said force. You almost have to. Um. Well, I've thought of that. Throughout my life, I've had some problems with my eyes. Mhm. And you know what? When I rebelled against reading. It was because, I wouldn't say it hurt, but it was uncomfortable for me because it, it didn't work. It's like they go, here are the letters, you know, A, B, C, D, E, and I'd look at them and I wouldn't see them. But I didn't know how to tell anybody I couldn't see them. Well, for you, does, it, that, does, does that make sense? Sure, it is. When when you're a kid, everything you see and do is normal. You think everybody else sees and does the same thing. Right. Could you explain? So I wonder how much of the problem we're having in education today is because of things we're not thinking about in in reading. Is is the kid not seeing what you see? Mm-hmm. And I was, I'll, I'll tell you, I was 18 and had eye surgery twice before the eye doctor discovered I had no depth perception. And I spent my entire career in school going, why can't I hit the goddamn ball? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because I couldn't see it. It makes sense. You know, I... I was having, um, at my beginning dinner, we were talking tonight to a gal who did homeschooling. And she and I were talking, I think today's kids, or some way, they are able to uh, figure out 
what they might be having trouble with so quick sooner today than they did 40 years ago or more. I, I hope so. I think the testing is probably a lot more sharper today than it was years ago. And, you know, that... I, well, the teachers I had had no clue. They just all thought I was well, a total I, reprobate. I, I have a theory about teachers. I think we, we appreciate the one that truly teaching was a gift. They, they loved to teach, and you knew who they were. They were the special teachers. I think most people went into the profession because it was a job. I don't think the, the one who turned out to be wonderful and special, I think we all remember our favorite teacher because they, that was a true, they, they had a gift for it. And I don't think most people have the gift of teaching. I think it's a rare gift. It really is. What do you think, Patricia? I think it is, it, it's a consequence of attitude that was shaped many, many years ago where if women had to go to college, and I emphasize had to go to college for some, somehow got there, they had to be teachers. It mm -hmm. wasn't even nursing that people were encouraged to go into. Women were teachers, period. Whether they wanted to or not is the, getting down to the point that you're making. It's not, um, it was not a career choice for many of them. It was a settle for. It's very hard to do a wonderful job and be enthusiastic when you're settling for a profession that you didn't want to be in. Well, I'm thinking even also about, I think, the college professor, who really, his love is research, but the university requires him to teach besides doing his research. You know, not, not everybody's got the ability to do both. You'll love this. Um, my first year in graduate school, mm -hmm. we had a absolutely wonderful teacher, and and... I showed up for you know my first year graduate work, the same year he showed up to become an associate professor, mm -hmm. and uh, he was so good he blew everyone away teaching fluid mechanics. I mean, people flocked to go and take his courses, and what did the university do? They promoted him. They gave him. A one-year sabbatical for being the best teacher of the year so he could go and do his research. Way to go. <laughs> they took the best teacher mm -hmm. off the teacher rolls. <laughs> I always thought that was great. Well, I really think what separates the great teachers are the creativity. If a teacher loves to teach, she's also the one that are creative. And trying to trying to explain different things to get the idea or point across to the student. So you can have the flexibility to do that. And also you can tell they love the subject. And you know, um, you know. Well, I'll I'll tell you about Mrs. Schroeder. Okay. Sixth grade, and she was. An elderly lady, lady when I got to sixth grade, but um, I had been, as I told you, a horrible student in the early career, and uh, 
came up to me one day, and it was just like a study time, so it was quiet in the room, and people talk about class size now and so on, but we were always like 30 or so in the, in the classroom, but she handled it, and uh, she came up, and she goes, she puts her hands on my shoulder, and she goes, you know, anytime you get different directions from your parents or from me or from the principal or the people on the playground, you come and tell me and we'll work it out. And I went from being a D student to being an A student in a day. That's a good teacher. Absolutely. She figured out what was wrong. I was getting different directions from different authorities. And I couldn't figure it out. I respected them all. And she figured it out without me saying anything. A wonderful woman. Made my life. That's good. Sounds very excellent to me. She was a person who needed to be where she was. Yep. And I need to get off your line so other people can talk too. <laughs> so I'll let you guys go. Are you going to answer a question? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who had the action packed expense account? Uh, you're just like way too nice to me. Do you know the answer? Well, that would be Johnny Dollar. Oh, I'm not way too nice. See, I keep telling people it's only easy when you get when you know the answer. Not everybody would know that one. I thought I'd stick you on that one. Oh, I love Johnny Dollar. What what radio shows do you think you need? How did he get his last name? Oh, I know, I know. I don't know if that's how he got his last name, uh -huh. or if that's that that was just part of his shtick, but. How did he get his last name, Dennis? No, no, I want to hear the answer. I already answered my question. Oh. <laughs> he, used to pop, he used to pop silver dollars as tips. All right, Patricia. Oh, really? Good That's job. That's what I think. X minus one? Oh, sure, I got that. X minus one, I got it. And if you still have that dimension X thing you were gonna send me. I didn't thing around, that would be okay if you stuck it in the same envelope. For heaven's sakes, um, shame on me. I thought I sent it to you, I'm very sorry. Yes, you shall have both. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering, I'm sure you made them and then sent them out. I'm just still wondering who got them and if they liked them. If they liked them, I know. Call in and tell you. Oh, I know, but you're right. I did I did make one. It's probably sitting next to the computer looking for its envelope. You shall have both. And I do have both.
Uh, but I I have to admit um, I, uh, I I do uh, go to Radio Spirits every Friday night before I go to bed. Uh-huh. I, I listen to Johnny Dollar. Oh, you do. <laughs> it's a great show. I really like that show. Uh, it's very well done. Yeah, it, I like it a bunch. And in my mind, I know there are others who think differently, but in my mind, the only ones I really want to hear are the ones with Bob Bailey. I think you're in the majority on that. That's what... I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I've never heard anybody argue with me on it, but I know there are people who honest to goodness prefer some of the others when we talked with John Abbott who wrote the book or the three volumes of Johnny Dollar the Johnny Dollar matter his favorite was one of the later ones help me with this Walden there were there were five Uh, um, help me help me help me yeah yeah the ones I hear people complain about are with O'Brien. Edmund O'Brien, uh-huh. yeah. He, he didn't, well, he, he brought a different personality to it. I think he also, I think John liked John, uh, John Lund. He liked him. Yeah, and the first one was Charles Russell. And then we have Mandel Kramer. Mandel Kramer. Is, yeah. I said, oh, I was close. I said M. It begins yeah. with an M. Mandel, Mandel Kramer. Kramer. Mandel Kramer was a very good actor out of New York, especially if you heard his voice on Gangbusters. Yeah. He did not have a huge number of shows under his belt, though. No. No. And then, uh, and Reddick. Uh, Reddick, yeah. Yeah. Reddick was the last one. Mm-hmm. But he, he liked Mandel Kramer. and was his number one. You know, it's odd that, um, for me, mm-hmm. um, the actors don't seem to make all that much difference. I'm more into the story and, and I, the, I think the tightness of of the storyline, if you will. And I think I can explain why. I think Jay Johnstone uh, picked up writing and directing, producing the series during the Johnny Bay. Uh, the uh, Bob Bailey era, and then once the show uh, Bailey went to uh, New York, he, he still was writing a lot of those stories. So I think he's probably the unsung hero that people love the way he wrote, and he wrote under different names. Oh. And so that's why people don't always recognize it coming from Jay Johnstone. However. And, yes. Storyline notwithstanding. Yes. Um. Oh, Patricia just liked voices. John Lund and Edmund O'Brien both brought a different <laughs> approach and a different personality to the role. Correct. And I don't think they did the best job they could. Not, No, no. They did the best job they could. I don't think it was the best match for that particular show. Hmm. Amen. Well, and also, there, there we go. It, they were trying to go for the movie Star Punch. Uh-huh. John Lund, Emma O'Brien were both came from the movies. Yep. They were trying to create a show with their movie star appeal to the to a detective series, and it just didn't work. It didn't work for me. No. Apparently it worked for an awful lot of other people. Well, it must have, because they, they swapped them out pretty quick. 
That's true. You know, you know, CBS knew they had something wrong. Well, maybe they realized it themselves. That's why uh -huh. they wanted it out. Yeah, they realized they had something wrong, so they fired the actor. Fired <laughs> <laughs> the actors, yeah. Yeah. And maybe that was right. I, I like I said, I don't know. I, I just. You're saying the plot. Close my eyes and I, I listen to the storyline and the compactness of the text. <laughs> like the difference between, for me, listening to these radio dramas, is like the difference between reading a short story, which is very compact and very tight, and reading a novel, which can be looser. Well, if you understand that, we was uh, we were experimenting with this with Neil Wolf uh, at last some last year with Spurvac. It's so it's difficult to take a novel or a short story in a short period of time to try to adapt it into the audio format, and the pacing different. Things things work better with the ear than it does with the eye. And it's a, it's a certain gift. It yeah. works differently. You and I talked about this um, last year for a while, and my my thought is that when something is created for one medium, it doesn't necessarily translate well to another. The um, the Nero Wolf story that you were talking about recreating in right. a radio format was written for the eyes. Right. Not written for the spoken word. A class example, Carlton Morris, who spent almost 30 years writing for radio. Uh -huh. When his radio, when uh, One Man Family went off the air in '59, he started to try to write for the eye, novels. Uh -huh. He said he must figure he threw away over a million words before he felt he had the writing technique figured out for a novel format. Believe it. I have no trouble believing that at all. Yeah. So. Well, sir, you have raised some interesting questions tonight. Now we'll all have to go home and do homework. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you knew all the answers. You did a great job. Yeah, well, you know, we... You helped me understand a little more deeply. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Sometimes we just don't want to say everything all at once, you know. All right. You have a great night. You too, Dennis. Or, Thanks for listening, and I'll get the um, I'll get the shows out to you. Bye bye. Bye. Good night. Seven one four. Five four five. Two zero. Oh. Seven one. That's our number. That's our number. Give us a call. And I've got more good questions. More good questions. And. And. I've got. More stuff. And, have, and a Stump Walden question. Yeah, so I was wondering, so she said that. Ooh, question. I have a Stump Walden question. And I have uh, a brain teaser for you. You want oh, your brain teaser? Oh, I love my brain teasers, you oh, bet. Oh, we love brain teasers too. Okay. What happens? This is a what happens question. What happens when you throw a white rock into the Red Sea? Uh, the white rock disappears. It sinks, right? <laughs> Very good. I thought I would get you with your analytical mind. You say, well, the Red Sea really doesn't have red. <laughs> yes, it sinks. It sinks. That yeah. Is, that is, yeah. It disappears. It disappears. Yeah. 
That was very good. Uh, that was why, why is the Red Sea called the Red Sea? I forget. I don't know. I forget. I don't know. It, I don't. I don't know. Get thrown out for food for thought. Well, uh, there there is an answer. There is. I apparently cleared it out of my mental filing cabinets to make room for stuff. You must hit the delete button. No, I, well, I, I just needed to make room for stuff that's useless but fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, like um, and I've got some useless but fun stuff for tonight, too. Good. Yeah. Okay, we've got some dated stuff here. Mm-hmm. May, May. Ooh, ooh, I've got May stuff for you. Well, I think we're timely because this is still May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how come it's, it's brand new. May is National Salad Month. I think Patricia would vote for that every month out of the year. She is voting for that every month out of the year. Mm -hmm. It is also, don't ask me, I just read this stuff, National Vinegar Month. Well. Which goes with salad. Yeah, I mean, vinegar and oil. I couldn't find any oil. I didn't go through the whole list, though. If there's any National Oil Month in there. Yeah, why why did it come up with vinegar and oil? I mean, why didn't it come up with vinegar and... Garlic. Why? Why vinegar and oil and salad dressing? What? Why? Why did that combination come up, come about? Well, if we go back to the mother's answer, uh huh, it's because I said so. I guess so. Yeah. Why? Because I said so. Ah. Uh, okay. Now this. Now the third one is really good. Now I've got a a whole bunch of pages of this, but I thought this one was really nice, and we have to be. Very mindful of its observation. It is National Smile Month. Uh, Isn't that sweet? Uh, I guess if you can come up with vinegar, you can come up with a smile, too. What a smile on your face. Yeah. This is good. May 7th, Gary Cooper was born. Very nice. Yeah. And he died. 1960. God, it was 1961. Maybe so. You know, one of the sad part, um, I think he was dying. Jimmy Stewart was giving the, and he was breaking down when he was talking about Jimmy Stewart during the Oscar. Aw. Uh, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. He was born in 1901, and I think I saw him. His birthday was just a couple of weeks after he died. Mm-hmm. His daughter um, just wrote, wrote... A couple of weeks before he died. His daughter just wrote, um, not too long ago, a biography on her dad. So, so Gary Cooper. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Where did he come from? I was supposed to read more? No, I just threw the food for thought that just strikes my head. What, my little where where was I? Obviously, I read it, and I don't remember. What, where was he born? Montana. He yeah. really was in cowboy country. Yep, sure was. I'll be darned. All right, now here's, here's highbrow, high-class stuff. Mm-hmm. Who is aware of or knows the famous painting named The Scream? Have you ever heard of that? I did not, but if we were asked Vincent Price, he could have told us. Vincent Price could have told us. He was an art collector, and Vincent Price starred in Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. That's right. In the later years, and I believe it was a Bob Bailey one. Correct, and you sent that to me. That was a fun episode to have. It was really great because Vincent Price played Vincent Price, an art collector mm-hmm. whose 
artwork was heisted. Mm -hmm. Not all of it, of course, but he had several pieces. And Johnny Dollar came in as a, a private investigator, really um, on, not through an insurance company, because Vincent Price couldn't insure his items. Why couldn't he insure them, do you remember? Uh, because he obtained it through unusual means. <laughs> Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great show. It, it was a really, great story. It had several in that era. It was in the 1960s, I believe, mm -hmm. in the early 60s. Was that it with Bob Bailey? Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They had several famous people from other shows, personalities. Now, yeah, personalities from other radio shows who came in and played roles. It wasn't very many. It was maybe half a dozen. But Vincent Price was one of them. It was really cool. Ever, ever so cool. Oh, was, in a way, sort of a gutsy script for Vincent Price. He said, well, I just obtained this artwork to it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's this man who is known not only for his uh, acting work, mm -hmm. but as a collector of mm -hmm. artwork. And he's in this show saying, well, I can't insure it because I bought it in the back alley. <laughs> How did you put it, Walden? It was perfect. It fit exactly the... I attained these to unusual means. Unusual means, yeah. yes. Yes. It was good. It was a good show. Mm -hmm. And I do have it. If anybody wants that particular one, I would be happy to send it. it. It's small enough to fit in an email. So anyway, the scream. I loved this little note here because I have a shirt with the image of the painting, the scream, on it. And if anybody has ever seen it, it's, it's um, as close to abstract as you can get. It's not even impressionistic. It's, it's uh, close to abstract, and it's this uh, shape of a man's head with his two hands. I'd say shape of a man's head. I mean, it's, it's like putty. It's, it's a putty head that's being stretched down, vertical. Mm -hmm. And his hands are on the side of his head, and it is an agonizing scream that this person is is doing but it's just one of those spooky pictures that lends itself to being on a shirt so i have the shirt it's the scream by edvard munch m-u-n-c-h and it was stolen on may 7th 1994 and recovered about three months later um and on August 2004, another version of the scream was stolen. This guy apparently did at least a half a dozen versions of this very, very famous picture. And uh, I've seen a couple of notes about it over time that uh, he used a little bit different setting, and one had his wife in it, and one didn't have his wife in it. And, you know, it makes you wonder if he had his wife in it, and this poor guy in the picture is screaming. You know? That's true. Yeah. Did you run away from me? No, I was just, I just got thinking, we were talking about gifts and things, and I just went over and grabbed my mom's Mother's Day present and put it on the bed. Oh, that's so sweet. And now you know what Snoopy's mom, who Snoopy's mom was. Missy. What's Miss, your name? Missy. Missy. Snoopy's mom is Missy. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. That she really had. Now, tomorrow, well, it's, yeah, actually, it's today for all of us now, except Ron. We have the E-Day. And that's what Ron is going to be celebrating throughout the, the show on Sunday night, is the E-Day. 
I've got Walden has special programming yeah. tomorrow. What are you going to be doing? We're going to start off with uh, I start fascinating that Harry Truman started at 9 in the morning with the VE Day message. And then we're going to hear that. And then Winston Churchill right after that. And then we'll hear a little commentary. Then we're going to hear some of the kids. Then we're going to move into the kids' show like Dick Tracy and Superman and Tom Mix. Then later we'll hear Gabriel Hader give the news. Oh, boy. And then we're going to move into a uh, – we'll switch it over to CBS. And we're going to pick it up around uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. A show of a music variety show, uh, and, but with also a commentary with the Mills Brothers and Nelson Eddy, people like that. And then they'll move right into 9 o'clock Eastern, which will be over at CBS on Another Triumph, directed by Norman Corwin. And then we're going to flip it back to NBC and pick up Fubu, McGee, and Molly, which we've been on at 9.30. So, our no triumph was opposite Fubu, McGee, and Molly. Really? Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. The first time I realized this until I got started to pull it together. I did not know that. I did not know that either. On a note of triumph comes with a story as well. Correct. What is the story that goes with it? story is Norman uh, wrote that thing for, uh, wrote and created that thing for three months. And he thought he was completely written out with a war concept. But they really wanted him to come up with, uh, with the end of World War Two. And he worked on it, and he tried to come up with a concept. And basically he thought of the GI, what, what, what the questions they were asked. Or it, was it worth defeating the enemy? Will will this ever happen again? And then that started to fall into place for him. And he wrote the story. And he wasn't too sure if he was going to be on the East Coast or the West Coast. So he had two separate casts, one in New York and one in the, and one in the West. And he wound up being in the West and he started to put it together. And he started, he was still making changes till the very end. Because, you know, if he worked on it three months, he didn't know Adolf Hitler was dead. And that happened a week before. So all that music that you hear, that folk song, would have been added. Different things are tweaking it. And that's what most people feel is the great piece of Norman career. On No Triumph. And we'll see how late it is. You know, we maybe we'll get into some Art Schober and some Roy Rogers and who knows what all. But when are you starting this? How many hours is all of this going? We're gonna to start. Go? We're gonna start with, right at the top of the show at ten thirty Eastern. And then, how, how many hours are you planning for this? Uh, at least six. At least six hours. You know, we'll have Doctor Michael Beal somewhere. You know, right around eleven thirty. Uh huh. But you'll, you'll, it'll be nothing but shows heard on that day or news broadcast. So if you can't listen to me, that's okay. You can record me and listen to me some other time. But it's because it's something I've never really put together. It's, you know, hopefully some people who find that interesting, like Walden does, uh, you can record it. You have a lot of people who are very history-oriented. Uh-huh. Well, Walton's making them into history buff. He's just dragging them along. It's... It's amazing how... 
uh, radio lends itself to that, and we take full advantage of that. Mm. Yep. Happy birthday to Norman Corwin. His birthday was, this, was the third this week, so that have been Tuesday, only 101. And so we get to feature his masterpiece on May the 8th, 1949. This should be tomorrow. So let's just see who. Hello there, you're on the air. Hello, Walden. Hello, Jim. Hi, Jim. Happy VE Day, VE Day, I guess you could say. I yeah. guess so, and here is a history person. 66 years ago. Well, you know, it was a funny story I heard, and it was on one of the CBS anniversary shows. Douglas Edwards was telling this story about how when he and Ed Murrow were in London together, they were out, they were getting ready to cover the uh, all the celebrating in Trafalgar Square and all of that, and I, Doug Doug slipped and you know just just a slip of the tongue and said, "Well, they're celebrating the day here today," and he said Ed Murrow just went into laughter, just just couldn't control his laughter over that bloop, you know, that slip of the tongue like that. And that was just funny to me how Ed, you know, D you know, Doug and Ed were so such professional men, but it's easy to get your tongue twisted. Yeah, I would say so. If you, if you drop the letter E out of that would be interesting. Yeah, well, you know, there was there was a lot of interesting programming. I've heard some of it. I've, I know you, when you were at the museum, you said you heard some of ABC Blues programming. Correct. Jack Correct. Armstrong, I think. And yeah, Captain Midnight, Jack Armstrong, different things like that. I heard that over there. Now I do know that I've got somewhere in my collection, and I'm, if I, you know, I, I should have sent it to you. I just forgot about it till this week. I do have a house on one of my MP3s. One of my friends sent me with some assorted programs. I have the House of Mystery from VE Day. That was the Mutual uh, Children's Mystery Show. Right. Was, I, I, yep. I got it. You've got that too. Uh huh. I think okay. I, I, think I have. I think I have Doctor Weird. I think it is. Yeah. His yeah. name is Roger Elliott. Correct. I have that. And I know there's also a, uh, a uh, I think there's an answer man from that day. Correct. Have you got that? No, I do not. Um, we're hooking, Larry Gaffman and I were hooking at Dave Golden's list of 73 episodes, and we were saying, and we were just checking it back and forth. And there's a lot of newscast coverage that we don't have, that uh, Mr. Golden does have. Right. One, one thing you've got that we sent you on that last tape, for May 9th is Howard K. Smith's description of Berlin. Right. You might want to add that too. But yep. problem, I probably only I got so much on May 8th. I don't know if I'll get into May the 9th, but I do have some May 9th. Right. Yeah. And, and I I've, and I have somewhere on that. I wish I'd forgot to send it to you. Also, I've got Van De Venter's uh, mutual or it's WOR newscast from 11 p.m. on May the 7th, which is so which of course talks about the surrender being imminent. You know, this I guess the sir. Now, as I recall, when they signed it in Reims, it was still May 7th in the United States, right? Well, it's interesting. I went to the NBC thing on Friday. They and they was interviewing Truman or talking. To, they, Truman was expecting to surrender that Saturday. So, so if you look at this, this was May, May 8th was a Tuesday, the 7th was a Monday, the 6th. So they were expecting a tournament since the 5th. Mm -hmm. And they didn't sign this thing until 2.30 2 in the morning on the 7th. They declared it on the 8th, but they announced it at 9 in the morning that um, it didn't take effect until midnight that night. 
They were a ceasefire, but they declared the end of the war. Uh, Russia did not recognize it until the Germans signed the paperwork in Berlin. And so they, they made their last announcements. There were two signs. There was the signing at Reims and Berlin, right? Correct, correct. And the one we all are familiar with is, was when General Yodel, the one Charles Collingwood described. Correct. Signed, signed with General Smith. Correct. And, and it's an interesting story. Uh, we're also holding that up. It was, uh, the Germans, they, the America wanted both the government and the military to sign. And when the Germans sent the officials over, the Americans did not uh, authorize the signature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to send a higher officer to make the signature of, of the paper. That way, the United States could rec- it would agree that the war was over. And as I understand it from what I read, too, General Eisenhower was not at the official ceremony, just General Smith. He was next door. Right. Uh, he was next door. It, it, it was proper protocol to not to have... Uh, the commanding general at a signing like that. I see. And of course, uh, of course, there was that other, there was that rumor that was out earlier in the week. I guess it may have been late April or late April or early May. Himmler has supposedly tried to negotiate with uh, the United States to surrender to the U.S. so they wouldn't have to get Rus- get Russia involved at all. And of course, the U.S. turned that down. You know, that was printed yeah, on forgot- the news wire. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, so yeah. it was a, uh, it was quite a week, mm-hmm. and of course, uh, that was interesting, uh, you'll be interested, uh, in case listeners don't know, when you listen to On a Note of Triumph tomorrow night, you will be able to hear Elliot Lewis in a very interesting part in, in the program. And according to record label, he was not in the studio, they had to wire him from San Francisco. Really? Yeah. When he played the young trooper, or the Correct. young soldier. Correct. Hmm. But now I read that I don't know if that's true. I'd be surprised because he was he was part of armed forces at that time, and armed forces were based in Hollywood. Now was uh, was Shire in person there in in New York in Hollywood or New York? They uh, use Shire's voice. Yeah, I don't know. It must have been Hollywood. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't know for sure. And did he, did Norman ever say who they had to do the parts in New York? No. Mm-hmm. No, we haven't asked him about that. Well, I will say this, Clark, uh, Clark no, uh, Martin Gable uh-huh. a per- was a, the perfect narrator for it. And his son is the head of a college now. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And, of course, so that would be, uh, the the son would be uh, of, of Martin Gable and Arlene Francis, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very interesting. Very inter- well, it's going to be a fascinating evening tomorrow, and it's, uh, by the way, I got a chance to hear most of your uh, your Hindenburg program last night, and it was very good. Oh, good. I appreciate that. And you and Dr. Beale's discussion, as always, was very interesting about recordings and their history mm-hmm. and all of that. That was just, again, that's always fascinating stuff to hear. Oh, thank you. So. Well, are, you ready, are you ready for your body question of the week? Yeah, I'll try, and then, then you can just give it whatever you want. You can give it. If I get it right, you can get it to the next person. No, no, no. You get if you if you missed it, then you get more blondie uh, shows. Maybe I'll just try to get it wrong. That's <laughs> for me. Fulton, thank you for remembering. I have my blondie question for you. That's right. All right. What was the name of Blondie's dog? Uh, I can't remember. I. I you really hate this show, don't you? <laughs> well, you know, well, I, I don't know. Was it? Was it? I, I know the kid. Uh, 
Who was the? Uh, you know, it's funny now. I can't even remember the child. Their 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 child's name. I don't know. It was Bondi and Dagwood. Uh huh. Was it dump? Was it dumpling? Or was that the child's name? Dumpling. Yes, it was Alexander, and they called him Baby Dumpling. Baby Very Dumpling. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And, who, Very and, and my question to you, Jim, who played him? Who played Alexander? Cook, was it? Did Tommy Cook play him at one time? Yes, that was Tommy Cook, yeah. Yeah. That was Tommy. And, uh, well, you know, and of course he also played Junior at one point. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's interesting how, uh, and I know, man, I knew Frank Nelson played Mr. Dithers, his boss, at one point, right? I right, think. and also Henry Stafford later. Yeah. It was a... Uh, I guess it was a, a, a good show. I, I, maybe it's just the episodes I heard. Maybe it's just the way it struck me at the time. Who, know, who knows? Well, why. Patricia's going to send you all of them in an upcoming future package. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, yeah, it would be our and, luck that, that and, someone would unearth all and, 100, the complete 100-something episodes. And we want you to write a book report on each episode. Oh, why <laughs> <laughs> He now has but, enough indigestion to last him until Christmas in July. Yeah, that would be that would be like having Patricia have to do a, a an analysis of Nona from nowhere, a dissertation. Yeah, well, I could do that. Yeah. It, it would. It it is just a string of, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but yet you know, but yet as I said, there's always there's somebody must have liked it because. It aired, and I'm sure it had lit somewhere somewhere in the country. There were loyal listeners that liked those these shows. It was it was light and fluffy stuff. Well, one thing, you know, we, one thing you have to remember: a lot of these programs weren't intended to be intellectual. They weren't intended to be scholarly. They were just intended to be fun, fun entertainment programs for people. My guess is the people who enjoyed Blondie and Dagwood probably had Baby Snooks in their lineup as well. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I, f I find Baby Snooks more funny, especially when Daddy when Daddy loses his temper. The way she can make Daddy lose his temper. Why? <laughs> and my favorite, and Wallen's played it before. Patricia, was, you're good. I like that. <laughs> when um, when it was the one about the the good news with the Wizard of Oz preview. Uh huh. But, when he's trying to explain, tell Snooks the story of the Wizard of Oz, and she keeps interrupting him, it is just so funny the way he gets his temper. Just I don't know who had a, a more difficult temper, him or Mr. Conklin, when when Miss Brooks would agitate him in some way. Oh, I think Mr. Conklin. Yeah. Conklin won. Especially when he would say Miss Brooks, just in that song, you know something's coming. You know. Miss Brooks. You know. You know how Henry Stafford got billing as Daddy of Baby Snooks? How's that? Great story. If most people may or may not know, uh, Baby Snooks was a feature on Good News. Good News was a show sponsored by Maxwell House Coffee Association with Metro Golden Mare. And it was a big variety show using Metro Golden Mare movie stars. And a big production, you know, one-hour production, the scripts. And so they got done with one rehearsal. Generally what they did, if there was any cast changes, they would put in signature, and then a t secretary would retype the script. Well, they did the rehearsal, and Henry Stafford waited around until everybody was gone. He, he was with a friend, and said, well, let's go to lunch. And he said, Henry said, no, no, let's just wait. So everybody cleared the room, and he went up to the MC's script, 
I think it might have been Robert Taylor, and wrote in the name, you know, they always would bill Fanny Blythe as Baby Snook, and he wrote, and Daddy Hanley Stafford. <laughs> just wrote it and, and just, and he wrote it in, and the secretary picked up the script and typed it in, and from that point on, that's the way it got billed. Way to go! Yeah, yeah. You know when he did it when she did it originally on the Ziegfeld Follies as a skit, Jack Arthur played her dad. Well, also. And I guess other actors did too. Yeah, also uh, t uh, Teddy Thurman, who was later, uh, you know, Reed. Uh, Ellie Reed, Reed yeah. uh, of Flintstone fame, was her was her dad too out of New York. Well, they were all good, but mm -hmm. but Hen but Stafford was just 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 perfect. I mean, just the way he could do his voice. Yeah. Yeah, but that's how he got billing. He just wrote himself in. Yeah, well, they, they now she was genuinely funny, uh, and Bryce was just so good at doing that. Um, and it was, and I can just imagine. I, you know, I've never had a little girl of my own, but I can just imagine how how just in her how her personality, at least as she portrayed him. Well, Patricia can help us out. Patricia, hi. Well, the, the most frustrating part, I think, for Daddy was that most of her questions were based in logic. That's true. That's true. You're right. And she would say, Why? <laughs> yes, you're good. Yeah, yeah. You if, are good. If, we ever, if they ever did a if Friends of OTR or Spurdvac ever did a uh, Baby Snooks recreation, you'd be perfect in the part. Only if I could stick with the word why. <laughs> I'd be fine. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and, and her, her cry, of course, was just, you know, the way she could do that cry was just perfect as well. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, I, that kid would, would send me to the kitchen looking for the sherry. Yeah, yes, yes. And it was, uh, you know, and of course, you, uh, we've, heard, we've heard that Halloween one where she and her friend want to do, uh, you know, they want to go trick-or-treating and... Uh, and, and that, that was one of the funny Baby Snook shows. It's called Halloween Antics, and that's one I would recommend you hear if you haven't heard it yet. Genuinely funny. That's one where Daddy went out with them? Uh, Daddy was to get a physical with the doctor. I think Daddy did go out later, and I think they damaged one of the neighbor's windows or something. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Genuinely funny. Uh, I, I remember at the beginning of the show, he says, Snooks, you're staying home. I want to I go out tonight, and, he said, and, and she says, it's Halloween. That's why you're staying home, or something like that. It was just, and the way she could just drive, you know, finally he just, uh, I remember that on that particular one, she had like three pieces of chocolate cake, I think. She wanted one more piece, I think, or something like that. One of my favorite ones is she take, they went to the beach. Yeah. And she buried. Oh, that's a great one. And she, Daddy's old girlfriend was there. And she buries her baby brother in the sand. You know. Yeah. I think that's a cute one. Well, they, she, she was, and you know, uh, I get now. I never saw the movie Funny Girl or Funny Lady or the play. Did did, did when Barbara Streisand played that role. Did it go into did, did the play or movie go into much detail about Baby Snooks, or was it mainly the rest of her career? My understanding is Crickle and Fanny Bryce. I don't think it touched the uh, Snooks part. The Snooks part. My understanding. Yeah. I never saw the movie, but that's my understanding. I can't help because I didn't see it either. Yeah. Okay, here's your question for tonight. Patricia and I are just too young, so you know you're acking about a movie that came out in the '60s. You know. Okay. In the '60s. 
61 or so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 68. Okay. The, the, stay, the play was 64 and the movie was 68. Yeah, we're, we're, two, we're, we're just little kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. What, what was Baby Snook's brother's name? You know, I, I have it's right on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it right now. That might be something you, one of your other listeners might know. Well, as soon as you hang up, you're going to slap the side of your head and call back. Well, if I think of it, I, I, oh, boy, don't you, you know, I know it when I hear it, but it just, it just totally escaped me right okay, now. Okay, what, what you be daddy's name? Henry. No. no oh, no, Henry Higgins. Oh, oh no, no, now I got my Higginses mixed mm -hmm. up. Henry Higgins was my fair lady. Uh, Higgins. Oh, dear. I can't remember either. And I know he, I'm sure he said it one or two times, right? He must. Well, his wife, his wife would call him by his first name. Yeah. And it was an unusual name. You too. got it. It's very unusual. Oh gosh. They generally now the mother they always just called her mommy, didn't they? I don't remember the mother's name ever being mentioned. I. I think her name was mentioned in one of the shows. I think it was, but I don't. It definitely ring a bell. I know the brother, I, I, I know it, but I just can't think of it right now. Oh, I'm so upset that I can't remember the father's name. The the, the brother was Robespierre. Oh, that's right. It, it was a different type of name, yeah. Now it's Walden's turn. What was the daddy's name? So Lancelot. Lan oh, it was Lancelot. Uh-huh. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the, probably the only Lancelot since, since the night. I mean, you just don't think of that name often. Well, I wonder what Baby Snook's name was. I get was Snook Higgins. Huh? So I mean, I'm just trying to think. Baby Snooks. So was her real name Snooks Higgins? Probably. They just was. I never heard her called by any other name. Yeah, I mean, I guess Snooks would have been a nickname. All right, I've got my homework then because we've got one show where she coerced her little friend into going to the first day of school, right? Claiming that she was Baby Snooks. That's right. Right. And I think Snooks was the name the teacher used. Yeah. Yep. Well, I've heard the one, too, about the report card where they, you know, there's one about the report card that's mm -hmm. kind of funny. You know, that's another good one. Uh, it's in that Cronkite collection. Uh-huh. And I, I forgot what the premise was, but it involved, it involved a report card from her teacher. But, uh, yeah, it was, they were genuinely, it was a genuinely funny show, uh, especially with him. With him. Uh, he just... He was just, uh, you know, was able to convey that character, and uh, and it, it was it was warm-hearted and very enjoyable. Well, I want to wish you both a pleasant evening. I hope you all, but good luck, Walden, tomorrow. Oh, by the way, I for, for a minute tonight I forgot about your uh, club meeting, and I tuned in, and I thought it couldn't be Colorado. You know, I heard the stories going, and I thought it couldn't be Colorado tonight. Then, I, then it dawned on me that you had that club meeting today. Oh, that's right. I just want to remind everybody now, next Saturday, I should be on time, but I, oh, could, yes. be, I could be like, I'm producing a show directed by Norman Corwin, that during the day, the show kicks off in the two, during the 2 o'clock hour, 2.30 or so. So, time to get out of there. I should be in time to do the show with Patricia. If That'll not, be we'll, be, we'll be a few minutes late. And so, yeah, that's going to be a big show for you. Big on. show. Are you are you going to be, uh, uh, no, you're going to be directing it, producing No, no, just producing. I just put all the elements together. I, you know, I'm the amateur. I just, 
I just look for professionals to take care of it. So you're do and you're doing the undecided molecule. We're right? doing the undecided molecule, yeah. And uh, I know Dr. Beal's going to be there and Norman Corwin, right? Frank Brzee. Right. Uh, I understand that Norman's going to invite Eva Marie Saint to be in the audience. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah, and a bunch of a bunch of the radio people. Right. Aunt Waldo and Dick Van Patten and Tommy Cook and Marvin Kaplan and Norman Lloyd, who did his who did Undersound Molecule only 66 years ago, going to do his original part again. Okay. You know, bunch of radio people. Well, that's gonna be, that's gonna be uh, fun. And also, uh, by the way, I was gonna tell you uh, this week. Those uh, this on April the 30th. Those were the days it, uh, celebrated its uh, 40 41st anniversary uh, in Chicago. And Steve, mm -hmm. uh, what they did was uh, they let the behind the scenes people, the producers, engineers, pick their favorite shows, and they they did, they picked Escape and they picked this and that. But one of the things picked was. CBS's coverage of the FDR funeral, and I don't know if it's the Arthur Godfrey segment. I haven't had a chance to check yet. Ah, okay. But you might want to monitor that. Sure. They, they post it till Monday night. Okay. So if you go to nostalgiadigest.com right. and go to Those Were the Days, you, you can listen. and may, if, it's got, if it is the Godfrey exercise, it's at some point in the four hours. Got it. You might want to make a recording. If it's the Godfrey, I know yeah. you might want to make I know he's, Chuck has played the Godfrey segment before. Right. That'd be fun if it was. So if it is, you might want to make a copy of that. Absolutely. Just wanted to remind you, and you have till like Monday night. Well, maybe I'll figure out how to do it. Okay. And, you, and, and again, it's, it's about a 20-minute segment, I think. Okay. I appreciate that. So I just want to remind you of that, and, and, and if I don't get a chance to talk to you tomorrow. Good luck on your VE special. Thank you. Good luck on uh, your luck on uh, the big the big Norman Corwin thing and uh, we'll just proceed from there. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Patricia, for everything. You have a nice evening. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for calling, too. Poor thing. Bye-bye. Bye. There we go. 714 here we are. We are here. We are here. And you are there. And let's turn this up. Hello there. You're on the air. Hey, what was um, what was um, what was Mr. Ditter's first name, Patricia? Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, um, wasn't uh. <laughs> Cornelius? Oh, wait, wait. It was Elias. It's old, unusual names. Um. Okay, well, you... His wife's name is Cora. That's right. And I'm getting like Walden. I can't think of the answer, but I'll give you everything else. <laughs> what was the... What was the... One... Uh, what was the lady who um, was always driven by author um, in the limousine that always would come by when when Dag would be standing on the side of the road? Mrs. what? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Oh my gosh! Well, Walden, you know, right? No, I do not. I've never heard it. You remember when when Dad would be saying to us, "Oh, here comes, here comes Mrs. Buff Off, my Buff Offington." Uh-uh. And then he'd have the fancy, and then it was time for go, "Well, drive on, Arthur." And then he would, they would leave, and Mr. Dizzer's first name was Cora. He, no, Mister. Oh, Mr. Divers, I can't remember. 
J.C. J.C. Ditters. J.C. Wow. Julius. His name was Julius. Oh, yeah, but they all called him J.C. J.C., but his name was Julius. I want credit. Is the Barney cartoon strip still being run? I think it is. Huh? I think the cartoon strip is still being shown today in oh, really? newspapers, yeah. And let's see, the dog's name was Daisy. Right. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, so that's, so, see, uh, what was his name? Um, Hanley Stafford played parts with unusual names, so Lancelot, Lancelot. Yep. All right, now, what, what, Blondie and Dagwood had a daughter. What was her name? Cookie. Very good. As Alexander and Cookie. Alexander and Cookie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. But I couldn't figure why, for a while, they, they called the boy Baby. Baby Dumpling. Yeah, I don't know why. Why they couldn't didn't have a name for him or what? You know. No. In a pot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. But uh, those are interesting names, you know, like Lancelot and. J.C. for Julius. Or what is a Dagwood sandwich anyway? I mean, what makes up a Dagwood? Anything that you could put inside, they call it a Dagwood. Mm-hmm. Whatever you could find. I mean, it would be a horrible mix, but but whatever you, you know, you have available in the kitchen, and you threw it in a the sandwich, they call it a Dagwood. Because I think on the radio, he, he made um, sandwiches of weird concoctions. You know, and that's not going to get named the Dagwood Sandwich. And in the cartoon, the comic strips, they would have him digging in the refrigerator and coming out with legs of lamb and big hams, and he would be slicing and piling, and the thing was as big as his head when he tried to bite it. Well, then what was interesting, they had two blondies, right? And Rutherford. And yeah, who was still with us. Yeah, I had her on the show last year. And Rutherford and Penny Singleton, and then all in between them, they had also had Arthur like wife. Um, uh, Penny Singleton and Arthur Lake did not get along. They didn't? Did not. In real life? In real life. Did not know that. And oh. even though they basically saved Universal Studios, they did 17 movies, uh, you know, they, Penny left and did her own radio show. What was the problem between the two of them? I have no idea. Penny Singleton had her own radio show. It was right, the Penny Singleton show. Yeah, and is it in the, circulation? Yes, and you know what you know what her occupation was on the show? Oh, she was a real estate agent. You know, I don't. I know there was a show. I don't remember the mm -hmm. show. However, I don't. You know, I don't know the cast and stuff. But I, I know that she had her own radio. But I didn't right. know right. that Blondie and Dagwood in real life. Yeah, that's my understanding. They just didn't go along. Now. What was Arthur Lake's wife's name? I'm trying to remember. Her Arthur Lake wife... Uh, well, we have to pull up the book. Patrice something. I can't remember. And she played Blondie? Yes. For a while, too? She played Blondie before Anne Rutherford, yeah. I, before Anne Rutherford? Right. I don't remember her part at all. It must have been very short. Must be, because must the be. only ones I remember was Penny Singleton and Anne Rutherford. Right. And both of them... Did a good job. Yes. Yeah. Both did. It was a treat to have them let to put on a show last year. And uh, 
she you could tell that she was very fond of radio. Um, even though everybody knows her through the movies, you know, being in the Andy Hardy films and Gone with the Wind, she really enjoyed radio. Now, um, are you folks broadcasting any live um, things from Seattle? Yes, we are. Um, Paul Masaryk, who is fenced in the chat room, will be the engineer, and we're going to get better sound quality than we ever have. We're going to use a laptop. On Skype? Uh, nope, we're going to go right into the board and broadcast the stream. So it's going to sound better than, better than ever. And we'll broadcast uh, everything. What are the hours? It will run from uh, 9 in the morning till past 9 o'clock at night, West Coast time, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday morning we're doing a tribute to Shirley Mitchell. And it's going to be from uh, 10 to noon. Wait a minute now. Be June 24, uh, 25, and 26. You won't be there, though. I will. I am producing the convention. So I'll be up there running the show. And you're going to do your live show from Seattle next Saturday? No, I'll be here. Oh, next Saturday, it's, it's the Norman Corwin show in L.A. Oh, I'm sorry. When's the convention? The convention is June 24th, 25th, and 26th. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'll be I'll be here. And... Okay, what's happening next Saturday then? I am producing... Um, the show for Michael Beale Group is coming out to L.A. to have their annual convention, and they wanted to get Norman Corwin, and they wanted a ra radio recreation, so they asked me to put it together. So we're doing the Undecided Molecule. At, oh, they're doing it in L.A. Yeah, we're doing it in L.A. Oh. Uh, you know. But that's not going to be possible. Uh-uh. No, I didn't get that one put together fast enough. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, well, it was just too busy trying to put together a show. Is that open to participants coming in, yes. or is it a closed? It's open. It is open. It is open. So we need to, we as in Walden, needs to tell people in a minute how they can get there. You can go to ARSC, the website. I think you can Google ARSC, Google up Norman Corwin, ARSC, and at the official website, you can uh, order tickets. Phone numbers are there. I think it's A-R-S-C dot O-I-C. A-R-S as in Sam? Uh-huh. C as in Cookie? Cookie. Okay. Sam Cookie. Uh, what, was the, what was the movie that Phil Mickey and Molly made and it, um, it had, uh, what was it? Look Who's Laughing? Yeah, Look Who's Laughing. Uh-huh. Who's on it? Was it Edgar Bergen? Edgar Bergen, yeah. Yep. Adam McCarthy. Yep, I think Hal Perry had it too. Oh gosh, everybody was in that. Yeah. Oh, Wilcox had a play, had a role in it. Yep. Oh, you saw the movie, Patricia? I have it. Huh. She That's has it. Movie. And I seen it in Frank. I saw it in Frank Percy's studio. And uh, it's a fun movie. Yeah. I know it's funny that um, I think they even plugged it on the Fibber McGee and Molly show when I got. Oh, they it. did. They were going to the opening. Yep. Yeah, that's the one that you know on the same DVD they got the they got the TV show with um. Kathy Lewis and, uh -huh. and um, playing Molly and um, what was the guy's name? He played Pri Bob, Bob Sweeney. Yeah. It was horrible. He was part of the comedy team Sweeney and March and he later became a television director. You know what, Ray, is, is this radio show in circulation? The Andy Hardy, Mickey Rooney was... Uh, uh, wasn't he asking Andy Hardy on the radio? Yeah, the Hardy family was on the radio. It was part of a syndicated series put out by the MGM Radio Network. 
And so in 1950 or 49.50, they put out the Andy Hardy family and make you a part of that. I have a handful of those shows around if you'd like them. Wow. Yeah, that's that's rare. Also, it's really rare. I have found it in that. I have not found it in you. It's a radio promo in 1939 Christmas where the Andy Hardy family is wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't, I, I have found it on the net. I don't have a copy of it. I've listened to it. I think it's still up there. But it's interesting that the, and it wasn't from a film. They actually did a radio promo to basically to wish people a Merry Christmas. Huh. <laughs> interesting. Mm -hmm. How did you get your copy, Patricia? I don't know. I just remember listening to them on the computer. Um, I have several that I listen to. Did you download it onto an MP3 form, format? I think so. I haven't listened to them forever. So you're, you're sending me on my homework hunt here. Yeah. I'm going to be embarrassed if I don't have them. Yeah. No, uh, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be embarrassed. But, but yeah, those, those are rare shows. I mean, those are, those are good shows, actually. Um, the, the Hardy family. Yeah, those are good shows. Yeah. But anyway, if you find them, fine. If you don't, don't worry about it. But uh, Daisy was a dog's name, and... was the dog, and J.C., and his name was Julius. I want yes. credit for that. His name was Julius. Then who was the gal who drove by? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you on. This is Mrs. Buffalfington. Listen to some of the shows, and you'll hear about the lim big limo. Oh, here comes Mrs. Buffalfington, and... And, ooh, you should hear her talk. It's kind of weird. Poor Kim, there's only not too many blinded shows, like 23 shows, so there's really not that many around. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have some, but not very many. Blindy! Right. And Arthur Lake's wife was Patricia. Right. Really? Patricia. Uh-huh. And it says... Boy, I guess Patricia is a real uh, exciting name to have, huh? It's a wonderful name. It is. Yeah. I know anybody named Patricia. Actually, okay. Well, now you do. I, I have a tri trivia question. Of course. You know, one man family has a theme song. You know, when they open up the show, you hear the one man family organ. Uh-huh. What was the name of the song? I don't know. I can't even hum it. I haven't listened to them in so long. Mm-hmm. Yep. You even told us a couple of weeks ago. I did. I remember you told us. I don't remember what you told us. What's the name of the song? Patricia. Yeah. Carlton E. Moore's wife was named Patricia. Yeah. And the organist scored it and they just named it after Patricia. Well, for pity's sakes, I would have remembered that. Maybe you didn't tell us after all. Maybe he didn't. Otherwise, you'd know it, right? Mm -hmm. Sure I would. Mm -hmm. It would be embedded in your brain that there's a song right. named after you. Boy, I forget a lot of stuff, but I haven't forgotten my name yet. What other famous Patricias are there in history? Well, Perez Prado came up with a Patricia. Yeah, that was a good one, too. <clears throat> um, Patricia... Patricia Neal, I guess. I see. And then there was a, wasn't there, wasn't there a real racketeer who went to jail named Patricia? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Well, what do they, what they call uh, Patty Hearst? Was she Patricia? I don't think was so. Patricia? You, you remember this saying, is your mother would say before she spanked you, and it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Oh, yeah. She lied. She lied. That, that should have been on my list, too. You're right, Ron. And she lied. Then, then I would say, how dare you hit me? If it's going to hurt, hurt you, then <laughs> don't, don't even think of hitting me. I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. You know who would have had the, the best sayings as a comeback? Would have been Junior. Oh, yeah. Junior would have had the right thing to say with when, when Grandma or his Mom would have oh, done. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Junior was always a smart talent. pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, there was a line in one of the scripts that uh, Walden and his gang used at one of the conventions, and um, there was a policeman in the living room, and Junior was hiding behind the sofa, and his grandmother pointed him out, and Junior said, called her a stool pigeon. And it just, it just cracks me up each time I think about that. It came out so perfect. Stool pigeon. And he, he didn't know how to say the word, the, the letter L, so it came out S-T-O-O, stool pigeon. Stool pigeon, yeah, stool pigeon. I gotta say, Patricia, you make a good baby Snooks, and that Y bit was so funny. And I, I think that if you could just embellish some the other words, you'd be great in this um, uh, playing baby Snooks, a part of um, baby Snooks. And you Hi, know, Daddy. There you go. And you know, in the movie, uh, Funny Girl or whatever, not one. I don't think there was even a a, a part where they talked about how. She played baby Snooks. No kidding. Yeah. Not even a mention of it. Oh. Well, you know, in the real... Uh, wasn't, that wasn't her... Uh, you know, she was known for vaudeville. Right, but Fanny Bright had a very sad, tragic life. And... Death was very tragic. Yeah, you know, and her... Very sudden. Her husband that she married, you know, it, it was a tragic life for her. And, really? Oh, yeah. And, uh... What was the bad part? He would have, he would have gangster. Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he spent time in prison, if I recall the story correctly. Mm -hmm. Oh. And it just broke her heart, because that, that's where they see the song, um, That Man, That Man of Mine, or something like that, which was a Fanny Bryce song, which sort of a, and many times, because she was going through, she would call, and Eddie Cantor, we spend time just talking to her at night, at night, you know, just trying to walk her through. Uh, her show ended very suddenly. She had a hemorrhage, a brain hemorrhage, and died. Yeah, and she lingered for about a week, and uh, and then died, and it was very sudden, yeah. obviously. Yeah. You don't plan on a stroke. That is so sad. Yeah. You know, and some it's amazing. Some of these actors and actresses, you know, they're they're. Their private life was not the greatest. No. And now, I could be wrong on that, but that's what I, it's something like that. It's, you know, she married a guy that was not the easiest person in the world. And Some comedians especially had tragedies and tragic lives. Yeah. Mm. Abbott and Costello, I mean, their life wasn't all that great. And, no. Uh, no. Abbott, you know, he had, he was... He would have epileptic seizures and stuff, you know, and 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 uh, many times Costello would have to help him out and stuff. It was just they, they lived tough lives I mean, behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. 
And of course, Lou lost his little boy in a pool accident. And he had to perform almost that same night, or right, you know, but the show must go on. And he performed even, you know, when he realized that he lost his son. So it was, it's, 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 it's amazing how these people just came out of it, you know, and, and, and really were true showmen people. Yeah. They kept their lives behind the scenes and on stage. You could never tell that. Yeah. Red Skelton lost a son to um, leukemia. I believe the boy was about 10. So that was that was a hard time for him, too. He's a, the clown. That huh? Red Skelton acted in a movie called The Clown. Yes. He was an accomplished painter and painted clowns. A very good movie. So, well, anyway, now said it's almost bedtime. Julius. His name was Julius. <laughs> Julius. <laughs> right. And Wally will be looking forward to your VE Day show tomorrow. Thank you. And you always put together amazing things when you um, come up with whatever you come up with. So. When I can work on something, it comes out good, huh? That's, yeah, I appreciate I mean, that. Yeah, well, you, you know why? You put your heart into it. Then. <laughs> I think that makes a difference, you know? And uh, so you, you do a good job. Well, good luck on your show tomorrow. Hey, when, when's, your, when's your show? When's the one that you're working on? Is it next this weekend? Tuesday. This Tuesday. This okay. Yeah. Well, you better, when, next Saturday, call us and let us know how it goes. Oh, yeah, and then um, good luck on that. Oh, it must be fun to do that um, um, Norman Corrin thing next Saturday. Yep, it's nice. It's we'll nice that... Give us a review on how it went. I will. I will do that. And Patricia, look for some more free ice cream or chocolate cake. And uh... Sure. Too bad you're not a mother. She could have gotten a free yogurt from T.C. <laughs> I know. Did you ever find out what TCBY meant? As a matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now. Let me see. Um, Yogurt or something. TCBY. Formerly, this can't be yogurt. TCBY. This can't be yogurt. That was the name of the. That was the name of the store. This can't be yogurt, and they shortened it. TCBY. Well, have a good Mother's Day, and we'll talk. I can tell you're really impressed. <laughs> I... <laughs> Thank you, Ron. Say hi to Gail for us, and have. I am. I am so astounded by the fact that you found what TCBY actually meant, and you know, only you could have found it. And we really appreciate knowing what. It's okay, Ron. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm tired of putting on this act anyway. You can stop. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Ron. Oh, what a group. Oh, my goodness. What a family. We have fun here. You know, Patricia and I do this just for the big bucks. But really, I think we trade it all in just to be with you guys. Yeah. Which we do anyway. Yeah. 714-545-2071. Give us a call. We're here. Well, now I have something else for you. You do. Let me out. Look. You do. And you were right on target. The In the general population, worldwide average, yes. 1 to 2% are redheads. However, yes. 
the leading country the, the, with, with the most the highest percentage of redheads? The most redheads, yeah. Take it. Take one shot. Hmm. Is it Latin? Let me think. No. No. Well, we know it's not Sweden. No, blonde. <laughs> That's Sweden. Huh. It surprised me. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm trying to eliminate possibilities here. Hmm. This is not dead air, folks. Walden is thinking. Mm-hmm. I try to put my heart and soul every time Patricia asks me a question. Yeah, and and you do. You just throw yourself right into it. Mm-hmm. Everything except your voice. Yep. I I have to make little sounds like do 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 let people know you're thinking. Yep. And we and we didn't go away. That's true. Uh, well, I'm not going to get this. This is, this is interesting. I would have picked Ireland because of the expression. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for the red-headed Irishman. Yeah, and consider some of the famous movie actresses. Uh-huh. Uh, Margaret. Margaret O'Brien. Margaret, uh, Margaret, uh, Margaret O'Hare. O'Hare. O'Hare, and some of those were, I were redheads. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's an expression, he was a red-headed Irishman, meaning he had a yeah. temper, yeah. and the red hair is, is frequently yeah. misassociated with temper. But it's Scotland, 13% of the population in Scotland. Really? 13%? Next to number two is Ireland with 10%, and I would have given it the other way around. That's amazing. I didn't realize it'd be that high. That's yeah. pretty pretty good. Well, part of the British Isles, so... But I, I would have put Ireland number one. Mm -hmm. so, so I did my homework there. You, you were right, right you, on target. It's you, one you, to two percent of the total population of the world. You done good. Yeah, I know. Who are some of the most famous redheads in the world of all time? Well, we had the people from the Redheaded League in Sherlock Holmes. Uh huh. And um, freckles, freckles. Who had freckles? Oh, help me, Walden. Isn't this terrible? Lucy. Yeah, but she wasn't for real. Well, no. Penis. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I, I should have I said that, even if it came out of a bottle. Well, I think Lucy Van Pelt. Lucy Van Pelt doesn't have red hair. She doesn't? No, she's got brown hair. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought she was a redhead. In, in, oh, in so she has a temper, but she's not a redhead. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Of course, I will lose you, of course, but I was out of the bottle. Yeah, I, I didn't realize you were talking about losing well, I was thinking, health. Yeah, I was thinking about two. I, I guess I was thinking, uh, of course, I was, that was the obvious with Lucy Ball, but... <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't come into my brain. Hello there, you're on the air. Well, I have a couple of more redheads you might consider. Uh-huh. Well, they're, they're first, we, meant, we mentioned Lucy Ball. Mm -hmm. How about Walter Roofer, the labor leader? I mean, he was called the old redhead. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, the, the United Auto Workers thing. Huh? And radio had certainly a very famous redhead, Arthur Godfrey. Ah, uh, there you go. How are you? How are you? How are you? He was known as the old redhead on radio. Red uh -huh. Barber? Red, red Barber? That's right, Red Barber, right. 
and uh, how about Red Skelton? Was Red really? Was, yeah, I don't, did, did that mean they had red hair necessarily, or they just called red? I guess they'd have to have red hair to be called red, right? Usually, usually red-headed, yeah. Red mm -hmm. Foley, yeah, the gospel and country singer. Mm -hmm. There was Red Blanchard, who was a San Francisco disc jockey and Chicago disc jockey. Well, and he, he was a halfback. He was a halfback off uh, army. No, that's Doc Blanchard. Right. Well, Red Blanchard was on the National Barn Dance for a while, and he also did local radio in Chicago and San Francisco. And let's see. There was, it seems like there was another Red. I could think. It seems like there was another Red. Uh, there was. There was. Yeah, there was an army football player, right? Yeah, Doc. Doc Blanchard. Doc Blanchard. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of... Red Cheney, the uh, St. Louis baseball player. Right, 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 and he was a manager, too. Red Cheney, that's right. Forgot about him. Red Ryder. Yeah. Oh, Red Ryder, Red yeah. Ryder? I don't know if he had red hair. Oh, sounds good. But, 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 well, he probably, you know, since, I guess since you never, well, I guess if he was an imaginary cowboy, you could picture him red if you wanted to, I suppose. Ah, uh, that's the ticket. Oh, uh, let's see. There was a red, uh, one other red... Well, those immediately come to mind. You know, God, Godfrey and Lucille Ball and Red Foley and Red Skelton and some That's of those. Good one. You get extra credit for author Godfrey. Yeah, he um, he was, um, and, and you know, they uh, Gabriel Heater, I understand, was mentioning once that one of the reasons he moved to Florida was he was watching Arthur Godfrey on television one night in the depth of winter. Godfrey had him as a guest one morning, and uh, Gabriel Heater said, some redhead named Godfrey was just waiting in the surf, and I decided, why should I stay in New York and cough my head off all winter? <laughs> or words to that effect. Now, Arthur talked about what do you mean? he had influencing him. Anyway, I just wanted to bring those names. Oh, there was a, a newscaster named Merrill Muller on NBC. He was called Red Muller. I don't know that name. Yeah, he covered, well, he covered World War II. He was at Ike's headquarters on D-Day. He, uh, he did space flights for NBC. He had a very uh, powerful voice, and he was called Red Muller. Also, there was another Red Muller who was—I think he was the coach for the Denver Broncos in the late '70s, early '80s. Or remember him, Walden Mike? No, I don't. Yeah. Nope. So those those are the Reds I can immediately think of, anyway. So with blonde, with blonde, you redhead. Well, I guess she was blonde, I guess. Okay, okay, I guess you can sure. interpret that any, any way you want, I guess. I don't know if Dagwood had red hair or not. I don't ever remember. I guess, I guess I'm going to have to write a book on Blondie. I guess that'll make everybody happy. Uh-huh. You're going to have to write the history of the Blondie comics. Uh, and on the radio, radio show and the TV. Yeah, the radio screen and TV. Oh, God, wouldn't it be? Well, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody at some college somewhere that wrote an 800-page dissertation on it. That's why you can oh, this it. is this is a gym special, Why I Hate Blondie. Blondie. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I really hate her. In 800 words or less. <laughs> it's just... It, 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 but I, I, I will admit the opening is cute. The way she said, the way the name is said, you know. It's, Why I hate 27 minutes out of every show of are, are you Are you a Blondie fan at all? No. I mean, I'll listen to it, but I'm, I don't particularly enjoy it, no. Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those comedies that you, uh, you can take or leave, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's one that you either like or don't like. There's nothing in between. Right. Well, you know, well, obviously more people liked it than didn't like it, or it wouldn't have been on the air, right? Or a sufficient number liked it. 
Yeah. Hey, on the air. Well, they were. I guess they were called grade B movies. That was interesting, though, Walden, what you were talking about earlier about MGM syndicating those radio shows in 49 and 50. Yep. I they mean, had they had a... several. Of course, we mentioned, uh, we mentioned the Hardy family. They also did Dr. Kildare. Right. Maisie. Maisie, that's right. They MGM also... Theater. Yes, and they also handled a part of the syndication passage, uh, Box 13 and uh, Damon Runyon Theater. And the Black Museum. Yeah. So all of those got under that MGM umbrella. Uh, MGM Musical Comedy Theater of the air. That was another one of the shows. They had a whole slew of them. And then in 52, Mutual got the rights to some of those shows for a year. Right. Because uh, like the, the Hardy family ran on Mutual in 52, and uh -huh. so did the Black Museum and Kildare. And right. I thought Kildare, actually, the Dr. Kildare shows were actually very good. It was very good. I've listened to a whole lot of them, and I, I enjoy it. And the music was very good by Walter Schumann, the very same good. man that did the Dragnet music. Very good. Very good music score. And, of course, uh, uh, Ayers and Barrymore just gave great performances. Yeah. And it was in the, I, don't, I don't remember. My mother was a big fan of the TV Dr. Kildare, which I don't remember that well. And considering it was a famous movie series in the 40s. Right. And Lou Ayers did the... Uh, yeah, did the movies like I guess around what forty, but before World War Two, right? They were done. Yeah, maybe. Okay, you know, uh, went into the service. He did. He was a conscientious objector. Right. And, um, but he wanted to serve the country, so what he volunteered was to be in the in the medical corps. Yeah, and well, so, he, he lived up to. So uh, money, so I've been a lot of risk, you know, uh, going out to the field and bringing the uh, wounded into the. Uh, into the, the the hospital tents, so he oh. really exposed himself for being uh, out there in the battlefield. Well, even in the late 60s, uh, 67 or 8, whenever they did the Hawaii Five O pilot for the movie, mm -hmm. before the, the movie before the TV series started, I understand Lou Ayers played the governor in the movie, the original movie, the governor of Hawaii. Oh. So he acted a long time, so and they, they were. They were good stories. Uh, I, you know, I thought both them and Doctor Christian were both good, good stories. It's, I'm, I'm amazed, really, when you think about it in the last few years, how many Doctor Christians have surfaced. Over two hundred. I didn't think there were that many originally. But uh, and especially a lot of them from the thirties. That's where no. a lot of them have popped up. That's kind of surprising from that long ago, right? That that many would surface. Must to me, it is. Must have been one storage unit. Who I don't know how whether all of them have showed up. Yeah. Well, they're into ones I've heard. I've, I've, I've certainly enjoyed, and it, it was interesting, you know, about later on, of course, audience members writing the scripts, and that that was a, made it that made it an interesting show. That's true. And um, what famous writer uh, who's better known for TV got his start was writing? Sterling. That's correct. Yep. And I understand uh, Ronald Reagan's brother Neil. Either directed or he had some involvement. Yeah, he was, he was the director of the series. He uh -huh. was the director. Yep. Okay. Well, again, just want to bring up those redheads, and again, you all have a nice evening. Thanks, Jim, and you did a good job on those redheads. Thank you. you. Did it. Bye right. bye. Bye bye. And it's Blondie's favorite fan. <laughs> and Daisy's <laughs> best partner. <laughs> Seven one four five four five. 2071. That's what we are all about. We love spending every Saturday with you. And here we are yeah. on Sunday. That's right. 
Sunday. And a May 8, 1888 date here. George Eastman, the Eastman Kodak person, uh-huh. in 1888 patented the Kodak box camera. Boy, a lot of people sure had to had their hand on that. In 1888, it blows me away. Just blows me away. Oh, okay. Do, do, do we want a stump Walden question, or do sure. we want to go to some of the other information? Let's do a stump Walden. Let's do a stump Walden question, and I don't think it's going to stump you. How you know? Well, because... 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 Perry Como had a song called Because. Who did? Perry Como. Perry Como. Yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. did. All right, all right. Where is it? Walden's... Walden's... Walden's question. Walden's question. Which show was, quote, produced in cooperation with police and federal enforcement departments throughout the United States? Gamebusters. Um, let's see here. That was Gamebusters. Written produced by Philip H. Lord. And... Classic radio series that went from 1935 to 1958. I told you you'd know it. I know you said you that. You disappoint me. And by golly, I forgot to get you a baseball thing tonight. Were you going to give me a baseball no, thing? Baseballs for next week, huh? Were you going to give me a baseball thing? Well, I've been giving you baseball something every week for several weeks. Uh. I should have come up with something. Somebody had to have hit a home run somewhere. <laughs> you know all of them as well. Yeah. 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 Last yeah. well, good prep for your brother. You run it by me, then you take it to the t- t- take, brother. Take it to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to go see him tomorrow. All right. 1945. Yep, not too long ago. All commercial production of television equipment was banned for the remainder of the war. That was before they realized that we had VE Day coming. That's yeah, true. Hmm. But I get, well, it, it didn't end until VJ Day. Correct. So, they still had an awful lot of months, but mm-hmm. all television equipment was banned from production. That's really amazing. Why would they do that? I don't know. They were restricting broadcasting. Right. Um, the broadcasting was on a very limited basis and only to some stations in England. All broadcasting, television broadcasting, was zapped until uh, June of 1946. Manufacturing the television equipment. What what was there about the television equipment that caused a halt in that? I have I mean, no. They didn't, they didn't have any place to go with it because they couldn't broadcast. But maybe they need the tubes or some some of the equipment for uh, military use. These were were they vapor tubes? I don't know. They, they were vacuum tubes. They weren't yeah, vacuum, they were vacuum tubes. Yeah. So there wasn't any gas involved that they needed. That's true. Oh, Nolan, where are you? Oh, and tell us why it was important to restrict commercial production of television. I know. Commercial production. They were using the electronic equipment and technology Mm -hmm. to supply the troops. Yep. They were producing, they just weren't doing it commercially. Right. All right. Never mind, Nolan. We're going to figure it out. Oh, gosh. All right. I've got some songs for you from 1945, because that's when our show is. We love songs. Maybe we're going to get to a show tonight. 
We might get to do a show tonight. Yeah. But I've got something that's really, really important to tell you about the songs in 1945. Well, we love the music of 45. Really important. I picked the top ten from a list. Oh, good. And yeah. the number one for 1945 was Sentimental Journey with uh, Doris Day. Uh, yeah, great song. And why do we know that song? Because Warren plays it every night to start up his show. Gonna take a sentimental journey. Uh -huh. Yes, I thought you'd be pleased with that. I am. Number one on one of the lists. I am. And number two for 1945, it's been a long, long time. With my mom. With Kitty Callis. Yeah, big hit. Rum and Coca-Cola was still up there with the Andrews sisters. That's right. The Atchison, Topeka, and, and the, the Santa Fe was still up there. Yep. Till the end of time with Perry Como. Till the end of time. Accentuate the positive. Yep. With Johnny Mercer. Yep. There was a Bing Crosby with the Andrews sisters. What right. song was that? Do you remember? Well, I, they actually went, Don't Pinch Me In with one of their songs. And That's it. Yep. That came in number seven. Mm-hmm. And this one I never heard of before. Chickory Chick. Chickory Chick. Da, 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 Cool, Sam and Kate. Okay, yep. my yep. dreams are getting better all the time. Now the Doris Day song? It was, and, and also with Les Brown. I That's right. I heard of that one. Correct, yep. And I can't begin to tell you? I can't begin to tell you how much you mean to me. And I would have been Crosby song. That was a Bing Crosby song. Those were the ten that I pulled out. You're so good. Yeah, I should have pulled out a hundred. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Do, 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 do. do you have something for me before I go any further? Food. Food. <laughs> I don't have food for you. you do you have food for me? I uh, well, That's it. You we, know, people you know, send something. Send food. Send food. Patricia loves food. You know, we could go work in the kitchen together. I suppose we could do that. That's true. Or I could give you some useless but fun stuff. Let's do that. What do you got? You like useless but fun stuff? I sure do. All right. The Speaker of the House in Great Britain is not allowed to speak. <laughs> I never knew that. I never did either. Yeah. I didn't know they even had a Speaker of the House. I didn't either. <laughs> That's what it said. Everything on the Internet is true. Mm -hmm. The Speaker of the House in Great Britain is not allowed to speak. Caesar salad. We've talked about Caesar salad before. Do you know who the inventor was? Who the creator was? Well, I, I know where it was. It was in, in, uh, in Mexico. Yep. Tijuana. Uh, but I don't know the, and I guess it was a chef, but I don't know the name. Caesar Cardini. Very nice. How about that? Mm -hmm. And he was, he was from, he was Italian, Mexican? Uh-huh. He had Italian blood in him. Yeah. Okay, the United States, the size of the United States, everything is relative. In relative terms, the United States would fit into the continent of Africa three and a half times if you cookie-cuttered it. So I guess we're pretty small. Compared to Africa, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they, it was illustrating how big Africa was or how small the United States was. Either way. We are three and a half times littler. Well, it's a bitty, teeny, weeny, it's a boppy, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is this is really really important. This one. In 1976, the first eight Jelly Belly flavors were launched. That's good. 
1976. When was Ronald Reagan president? What years? 1981 to 89. So it didn't take him long to find Jelly Belly. Nope, he was smart. That was, uh, he always had a jar of Jelly Bellies on his desk. Mm-hmm. That was a nice way to break the ice. Would you have a jelly bean? Please? Yep, that way he could tell them once he wanted done and they, they was, their teeth were stuck. Oh, Walden, only you would think of that. <laughs> only you would think of that. Okay, now, I've got the eight flavors here. All right. Want to give a shot? Sure. Um, cherry, strawberry, lemon. Now, we're, we're not doing jello. <laughs> Chocolate. Um, Jelly beans. Oh, that's what I'm going with. There are only eight flavors. Well, I'm going with the ones I like. I don't know. Well, there are a couple of unusual ones. They've got green apple instead of lime. Okay. But they were orange, green apple, mm-hmm. root beer. Ah. Kind of interesting. Cherry. Yeah. It was named Very Cherry. Okay. Lemon. I yeah. like lemon jelly beans. Yeah. Cream soda. Ah. Isn't that unusual? I like cream soda. Grape. And, of course, for Walden, licorice. You forgot licorice. Should I name three of them? So we've got orange, mm-hmm. green, root beer would be brown, mm-hmm. red, yellow. I don't know what color cream soda would be. Kind of probably a creamy color. Yep, I would say I would say so. So like a white. I would be, uh, I better be some of a white. Did I say grape? Yep. Purple. So we've got the purple and licorice. So those are really nice colors. I like that. I like them very yeah. much. Okay. More more useless but fun. But Baby it, rattlesnakes are born in August and September. No kidding. It says baby rattlesnakes. Yeah. They're born as opposed to adults being born. So uh, adults born uh, seasonally and the baby just two months out of the year? Just two months out of the year. One place said uh, late August through October, but this this place said August and September. Wow. wow. Either way, it is confined to a particular time of the year. How about that? That's good information. And a single female oyster. This is motherhood stuff. I got this for Mother's Day. A single female oyster over her lifetime may produce 100 million youngsters. I think she's busy. Somebody ought to control that thing. <laughs> 100 million. I did not think to look to see how long a female oyster lives. At, a, at 100 million, it can't be, I don't know. She must be, She'd wear herself out. She must be really going to town. Very busy lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very busy lady. Yeah. And of course, you know that seahorse daddies actually birthed the babies. Did you know that? Oh, I've forgotten about that. I forgot. I don't remember that at all. I knew. And I thought some of them were actually, um, they re- re- reproduced themselves. The, the um, starfish can do that. Starfish, yeah. Yeah, not, not, um, not seahorses. No. The seahorse... Eggs are fertilized. Mom drops them off in daddy's pouch. Swims <laughs> off. Yeah, swims That's off. Right. Her life. She just goes out and has a good time. And poor daddy is there <laughs> incubating the eggs. And, and he's the one who gives birth. 
incubates the eggs and gives birth. I wonder if some females in the human species would prefer that arrangement. I do believe you would not have an awfully hard time finding a group of women to volunteer <laughs> to drop the, drop the eggs off and just and have a good time. <laughs> could, you, could you exit tonight? <laughs> oh, my. But I mean, the, she just deposits them and leaves. Yeah. Hit and run. Not, there's something not right in here, you know? No, 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 no. Oh. Would you like to do a show? Sure. And that'll give us a couple of minutes to come back. We can do that. And and do the questions. You want to read your questions? No, no. We can say pe pe we want people to listen. We want people to listen. Yes. We want Patricia to find what we're talking about here. We're finally getting to... The bank statement from mm -hmm. April 17, 1945, and we've had this now. This will be the third weekend, and it's finally going to be played. You have this one? I'm ready. Okay, this is the one where Fibber is figuring again, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. The bank statement. The bank statement. Never got, we never got this one done. Mm -mm. Okay. Poor Fibber. Fibber insists that the bank made a mistake because they noted a check that was written in February as being deducted on his March statement. And Fibber decides that the bank missed its opportunity to deduct the check because he wrote it in February, and that's when it should have been deducted. So they lose. And, of course, that's not really the case. But he mentions Uncle Sycamore. He's all worked up because the bank is trying to get money out of him. And he mentions his Uncle Sycamore having been swindled by a banker. And he clarifies it and says, a banker in a faro game in Blue Gopher Gulch, Nevada. So I had heard the word faro, a faro game, <clears throat> but I didn't know what it was. So I looked it up, and we'll talk about that when we get back. But he's stymied uh, in calling the bank to complain because guess who is on the phone? Uh-huh. Alice. Alice. Yeah. Our, our dear Alice is in this uh. show. And he can't call the bank because Alice is on the phone with Charlie for the entire length of the show. It's another great example. I think this is really a super example of Don Quinn getting a commercial in as part of the script. It really is a great one this time. So I will have three questions about the show. Three questions about the show when we come back and if you answer just one of those questions all of them relate to the show if you answer just one i get to send you some radio shows so we are going with the bank statement from april 17th 1945 and we'll be back in a little while the johnson wax program with fibber mcgee and molly The makers of Johnson Wax products for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Oh, luster. It's probably been protected with wax for a long time. Whether your things are old or new, it will pay you to polish them regularly with genuine Johnson's Wax. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the traditional sentiment of people from Missouri has always been, show me. So let us all uh, show our new president, Mr. Harry Truman of Missouri, that he has our complete loyalty and support in his difficult task of winning this war and leading our nation to peace and security. Good night. Good night, all. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax, finishes for home and industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that was Fibber McGee and Molly. That's a special show because back in the old-time radio convention in 2007, we did that show. Is this one that you did? Yep. How come I didn't know that? I don't know. Maybe because we had Delaney to type up the script. But that's okay. Um, we've been tracking this poor little pony. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like a pony... We've been leading it from week to week, and I don't recall that you mentioned that it was... Nope, I get, I get, no, nope, I get kept it quiet, and I just remembered when you picked it out, because I think this was the one that you... I, I think I asked for your recommendation, and it was something for Shirley Mitchell, and you came up with this You came up with this show. Are you serious? Yeah. So this it was what, a party to the crime, and I didn't even remember? <laughs> 2007. Okay. All right. I've got extra stuff here. The three questions. Are we ready? We're ready. Right. What is a faro game? That's number one. That's number one. Fibber talked about his uncle Sycamore being swindled by a banker in a faro game. Number two. Fibber said half the girls in Peoria grew up to be ballet dancers from standing on their toes. Doing what? Did you pick that one up? Nope, I missed that one. Yeah, he, they grew up to be ballet dancers because they were standing on their toes doing something. Okay. Number three, when Fibber went to pay the uh, went to the payphone at Kramer's drugstore, but couldn't make his call. I I miswrote that. Fibber went to the payphone at Kramer's drugstore, but couldn't make his call from there either. Alice was on the phone at home. Why couldn't he make it at Kramer's drugstore? Yep. Good question. I know it. 714-545-2071. Give it a call. While we are waiting, mm -hmm. he also mentioned the Cherry Sisters. Did you pick that one up? I sure did. The Cherry Sisters. Yes. I never heard of the Cherry Sisters. I think, I I think actually it was Molly that mentioned the Cherry Sisters. Probably. Yeah. I needed to listen to that show again. I went out and I found the Cherry Sisters from vaudeville. I think, I remember uh, George Jessel used to refer to them. So what's the history of the Cherry Sisters? George Jessel used to refer to them as well. How about that? Okay, the Cherry Sisters. Addie, Effie, Ella, Lizzie, and Jessie. Five. Five of them. Mm. They were a group of sisters from Marion, Iowa, who performed a notorious vaudeville touring act in the late 19th century, which would be the 1800s. Mm -hmm. They were also the plaintiffs in a landmark 1901 legal case that was heard by the Iowa Supreme Court, Cherry versus Des Moines Leader, a newspaper, which was instrumental in establishing and confirming the right of the press to a fair comment. Now we get the rest of the story. The Cherry Sisters Vaudeville Act was called Something Good, Something Sad 
was infamous for its poor quality and the vehement responses it elicited from audiences who threw vegetables and disrupted performances. <laughs> that must have really been awful. I guess in vaudeville they threw vegetables though, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did. Wow, boy, you could have you could have earned your dinner just like That's what, that. Yeah, they occasionally comedians were referred to that, like Holman Fred Allen. You know, you oh, can, wow. Yeah. Okay, the sisters toured with the act for 10 years. 10 years they made it with this terrible act, during which time they briefly appeared on Broadway. In 1898, they sued two Iowa newspapers for libel after they, meaning the newspapers, printed a scathing review of Something Good, Something Sad. The case eventually went to the Iowa Supreme Court, which ruled... The newspapers it ruled in the newspaper's favor and set the precedent for a right to fair comment, meaning the play reviewers. The sisters, the Cherry Sisters Act dissolved after the sudden death of the youngest member of the group, Jesse. Mm. The rest of the sisters went on to other ventures and opened a bakery, but died in modest, modest circumstances. I guess maybe they should have opened the bakery first. They were that bad. Or maybe... That's what got them the job. They, the reputation, they said, hey, this is a bad act, and maybe they, people booked them because they wanted this to be something of a novelty act. That's, that's really interesting. It's like my, my collection of shows. They're so bad, they're good. Mm -hmm. But a novelty act, I think, would, would be really cool. We went and saw the Cherry Sisters, and oh, boy, they were as bad as everybody says they are. That's true. And if people needed to really let off steam... They could bring their bag of vegetables and know that they were expected. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's brutal, throwing vegetables at a stage. That's right. When you get people like Jack Denny and Red Skelton and Bob Hope, all of these people survived vaudeville. Well, and some, did, and some of them did for 20 years. They had a career for 20 years. And generally... In a lot of ways, it was easier because they had one act, one show, and that they could take it throughout the circuit. And they could tour. They'd uh -huh. come up with new stuff every week. I was just thinking, I think we, we, we talked about Abbott Cartel and where they got their start. And we, they got their start in burlesque. Now, I thought maybe we should explain it's not the burlesque that you people might be thinking about. There were two separate types of burlesque circuits. The one that we think about today, well, you know, with the females and everything, and the other burlesque was the family-oriented burlesque, and that's where Abbott Costello was in. Just thought I would point that out. as another stage show that was in popular vogue of the 30s. It's really interesting. Uh, I'm, you go ahead and, and finish but no, I just was thinking about that. We was, uh, somebody was asked about Abbott Cartel and they got their career started in the third, in burlesque, and I just thought I need to sort of clarify. Huh. I, I had not ever heard that before. I had read in a couple of places about Abbott and Costello and a few others having come from burlesque as opposed to vaudeville. Right. Vaudeville was family-oriented, but the burlesque but, performances were a little... Risque. But there were two, yeah, but there were two separate families. There were two separate circuits of burlesque. Of uh, burlesque. Yes. That's really interesting. Well, the the comedians I read about were ones that had a difficult time. Not all of them, but some of them had to make a transition from this biting. Uh, double entendre type mm -hmm. humor mm -hmm. to the family-oriented radio 
style mm-hmm. of performances, and some of them had a hard time making that transition. Probably did, yeah. Probably hmm. did. Interesting. Okay, we still need answers to three questions. What is a pharaoh game? Fibber talked about his Uncle Sycamore getting ripped off at a pharaoh game by a banker in a pharaoh game. Second, Fibber said half the girls in Peoria grew up to be ballet dancers from standing on their toes. What were they standing on their toes for? What were they doing? And Fibber went to the payphone at Crema's drugstore because he couldn't make a call from, but he couldn't make a call from there either. Alice was on the home phone talking with Charlie, so he took himself off to the drugstore to make his call to the bank, but he couldn't call from there either. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Good stuff. You know the answer. I know that one. And it's there. It was there. <laughs> you are good, Sir Walden. My lady Patricia. Well, we can talk about a couple of other things while we are waiting. And I've even got things that I've been dragging around, like sound effects. Jack French did a great article Oh yeah. sound effects, so I've been dragging that one from pillar to post. What else do we have here? Did I give you everything I had? Ah, no. <clears throat> 1945. That show was from 1945. Right. And I've got some Academy Award information from 1945. Ah, well, I, I have the radio broadcast for that year, too, from the Academy Award. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Well, I know we went through this list probably, oh, maybe four or five months ago because we've had shows from 1945 before. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, of the, some of the movies that are here are ones that are really classics. They become classics in the truest sense. And people say, oh, I saw this last night, or I saw this last week, or this one's coming up. Right. A couple of them, I don't have a clue. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And you can help me with... All right. Okay. The best motion picture for 1945 was The Lost Weekend. Right. Starring Ray Moran and Jane Wyman. And that was Shangri-La? No. That was the... No, okay, go ahead. That was the film, uh, I think it was William Wilder directed it. It was uh, a guy who had alcohol problems. Alcohol, yes. Yeah. So, Ray Millian... Gosh, it was a good drama. Ray, it made Ray Millian's career, so that's... Was that his career maker? That was his pinnacle of his career, uh-huh. Oh. Now, had, had he been acting, he was a well-known... He, he was an acting, but I think it got him to know variety. It moved him up on the scale from that point on. Okay. Well, what he was up against, this is the best motion picture we're talking about, yeah. not performers, but Anchors Away, there were four others in, in An- the lineup. Anchors Away is the famous mu- uh, movie with Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, and Catherine Grayson. Is that where Anchors Away? No. That, that really is the... Yeah, that's... Um, really is the Navy song. Yeah. Anchors Away. Uh, great song. I think there's a scene where Gene Kelly is dancing with a mouse. With a mouse? With a mouse, yeah. Such great and, stuff with Gene Kelly. Yeah, and I think you can find that on YouTube. And I think that is the one. Honest to goodness, I don't think he got the credit he earned. He was really... And, a, I mean, he was an all-around person. Yes. Yeah, not a great singer, but he had a great personality, great dancer. You know, he had the masculine style and uh-huh. athletic style. Dan, Fred Astaire had the uh, sophisticated style. And 
Gene Kelly was a good actor. He was a good actor. He was an okay singer. He could carry himself. Yeah. And a fabulous dancer. Yeah. And I don't think, it, because I think probably because he was in the era of Fred Astaire. Right. That Fred eclipsed him in some ways. And, and, and let's face it, he was in a shadow. And Fred Astaire started earlier. You know, he started in the 30s, so you think of the great Fred Astaire, Ginger Roger movies of the 30s. Yeah. And the time when um, Gene Kelly got started was right during the war in the 40s. So he had you know, he had yeah. some time beyond Fred Astaire. Fred had name recognition before Gene oh, Kelly yeah. even came on the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Oh boy, he was good. Oh, my goodness, he was good. Originally... I know she saw the movie Easter Parade. It was gonna, it was gonna be Judy Garland and Gene Kelly. Uh huh. and this is where Judy sang, you know, my Easter bonnet, you know, uh, the Irving Berlin song. Uh huh. Well, Gene Kelly broke his leg sliding to second base, so Fred Astaire took, got out of retirement to replace him for that movie. So. He was sliding into second, second base. Uh huh. This is like a neurosurgeon laying bricks. <laughs> <laughs> These kinds of things. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll bet there were a few people in the industry. I don't think. To say. Yeah, I don't think the studio would probably too thrilled to hear about that. I don't think so. No. No. This is not how to win friends. <laughs> Straight for sure. Yeah. Heading into second base. What was he playing? I mean, obviously it was it, baseball. It, it was yeah, yeah. Probably a lot of movie stars got together occasionally and just played ball. So like a pickup game. Uh huh. For charity or anything like that. Yep. Oh, gee, Willikers. <laughs> oh well. Kiss <laughs> that one goodbye. Uh huh. Okay, so we had the last weekend took the Oscar. Right. Anchors away. There were there were four. It was up against. Anchors away, The Bills of St. Mary. Bill St. Mary, classic film. With Bing Crosby. With Bing Crosby, and I think Ingrid Bergman was in that. Uh-huh. And The Bills, and uh, Bing has some great songs. In fact, I think, no, no, I was trying to think, going my way. I was trying to think which one has a, would you like to swing on a star, carry moonbeam home in a jar, but if... After all, you better off to be a mule. I think that was in Bells of St. Mary's. And that was a classic song. It, Yeah, I think it was 45 because the Williams Brenders backed him in that song. And that was the first big hit for Andy Williams. He was 14 years old backing Bing Crosby in that song. It's amazing how all of their, not all of them, so many lives were stitched together yes. in such unusual circumstances. Yep. Very much so. The third one, well, you talk about a powerhouse lineup here. Mm -hmm. The third one was Mildred Pierce. Mildred Pierce, a classic film. Joan Crawford was in that. Uh, Eve Arden was in that. And Joan Crawford won the Oscar for that. And with the uh, the story where a mom sacrificed everything for her daughter, and her daughter became the spoiled brat and didn't appreciate her mom's efforts. And uh, I think it was Anne Blythe with the daughter who's still with us. And most people remember that because that, that, that sort of really put Joan Crawford's career back on 
back on the hike, and but that was sort of her last of her big pinnacles of her career. And the fourth one, Spellbound. Spellbound, Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. And Norman Lloyd was in that, who we're going to have at the Norman Colvin show next week. And Spellbound is the, uh, it's the one dealing with uh, psychological drama. Um, it's the first one to take on that uh, concept of uh, what what goes on in somebody's mind. It sort of was a very groundbreaking type of movie that started that whole genre. Alfred Hitchcock was downright scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he and Jack Nicholson are probably on par with each other in very different ways. But both of them have and had the capacity to scare the beat jabbers out of me. Well, think think how good it was. I mean, think of the uh, cycle. That oh. famous movie with Janet Waldo, I mean Janet Lee, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Janet Lee, who started in the movie, who did the shower scene, refused to watch that. I, was, I don't blame her. Yeah, it was just the too much. Scariest it, darn movie. Oh my goodness. It was too much reality to her, and she just could not watch that. It must have been a challenge even performing in it, regardless of cameras and people around you and knowing you're on a, on a set. When you throw yourself into a situation like that, oh, yeah. oh, you need medical help by the time you got finished. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the, the last weekend was up. That, that's a powerhouse lineup. Anchors Away, the Very nice, sir. Race, yep. Mildred Pierce, and Spellbound, and yep. the last weekend got it. That's right. Best actor was Ray Milland for Ray the last Ray Milland, yep. Bing Crosby was up, and he lost. Poor Bing. I know. You know, both of them deserved it. Uh -huh. I can only give one. Joan Crawford, as you mentioned, got it for Mildred Pierce. Right. She, uh, Ingrid Bergman from the Bills of St. Mary's lost to her. Okay. And we've got Short Subjects, the cartoon winner. Short Subjects cartoon? Mm-hmm. A Quiet Please from the Tom and Jerry series. Tom and Jerry cartoon? I remember Tom and Jerry. The Cat and the Mouse? Mm-hmm. And guess what they were up against? Hmm. Probably a bug bunny. Donald Duck. Donald Duck. Mighty Mouse. Uh-huh. Mary Melody's Life with Feathers. Okay. This one I don't recognize. Jasper and the Beanstalk, Beanstalk from George Powell Productions. Okay. I don't recognize that. Don't recognize that. <clears throat> Jasper series. Um, the Poet and the Peasant. Don't know that one. Lance Technicolor cartoon. Hmm. And Rippling Romance, Color Rhapsody series, whatever that was, from right. Screen Gems in Columbia. Huh. Big time. But uh, Tom and Jerry beat out Donald Duck. How about that? Yeah. Boy, that's pretty big stuff. Oh, it's very much so. Now, you have to tell me, who was Peggy Ann Garner? Peggy Ann Garner was a very young actress who was in her teenage who got who really struck it hot for a short period of time. She won the Academy Award for a movie called uh, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, which was a story where a girl d fantasized and dreamed that she wanted a better life. And she was a, a reader and things and tried to make the sacrifice, and but tried to cope with her family not being the ideal family. But she she wanted to become a writer, and that put her on a map. This that that movie, 
a tree grows in Brooklyn was on Broadway, making a movie. She won the Oscar for that, I believe. And but for a short period of time, uh, she did like oh Miss Junior Miss, different little short uh, films mm-hmm. that she played the girl next door kind of format. Where was a tree grows in Brooklyn? What year was that? Do you recall? About forty-seven, forty-eight. This was ahead of time. In 1945, yeah. they gave her a special award for being an outstanding child actress of 1945. And I applied for like, Miss, uh, Miss Junior Miss, something like that. Uh huh. Wow. And you can hear that uh, on Screen Guild, September 30th, 1945. It's a cute, uh, it's a cute show. She must have been hot stuff. She yeah, but very short. She died very young of cancer. Oh wow. Yeah. In her early 50s. No, it, it, it doesn't seem, well, of course we don't talk a lot about the people who live in what you would consider a normal lifespan. Mm-hmm. We talk about people who died so young. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I bet if we took out the longevity charts and compare them today to a period of 60 years ago, we would say how much longer people's lifespan is. In other words, if we looked at somebody's lifespan in the 40s, oh, sure. what the average age was versus what they are today. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, people who survived to retirement in 65, at age 65, were considered really long livers. Right. But we got long livers. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> long lived. <laughs> um, we talk about people like, uh, for example, Gary Cooper. Yeah. Died 59 or 60. Right. You're talking about uh, Peggy Garner here, yeah. Peggy Ann Garner, and we talk about Marlon Hurt. Right. And then we talk about the Norman Corwins of the world. Yes. Who are way up on the other end of the scale. Mm-hmm. And the people in between, I think we just talk about them as, as, as being very fortunate to have had them in our lives and just kind of let it slide. Right. There's nothing remarkable I don't know. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Uh-huh. There, there are, there's a huge group of people in this normal lifespan category that we don't we don't put we don't make a notice if it if they hit in those 80s or something. Uh-huh. We're figuring it's fairly normal. It's fairly normal. They're they're just not on the on the extra they're not on the extreme ends of the bell curve. Correct. These people are smack in the center of the bell curve, Correct. and what they did is expected. Expected, I guess, is a better way to mm-hmm. put it. That what they do is the expected right. outcome, and then we get people on either end of the of the spectrum. I, I think when somebody doesn't meet that. Um, so-called American average, we take notice of that. Is it one way or the other? Uh-huh. You know. Right on target. Where is Nolan tonight? He, maybe he and Sal, maybe he's getting ready to have Mother's Day before Sally and the oh, kids. Oh, that's right. And the family's rolling in. You never that's know. That's right. Well, I have just about finished my entire list here. Well, should we get call it a night or should we do something else? Well, I think we can probably call it a night. Why don't I give the three answers to the question? All righty, go right here. And I'll give some information about the Pharaoh game. Cool. All right. All right. Pharaoh game, it was a card game. And the card game had a position called the banker. And that's what Fibber was referring to. The girls in Peoria 
grew up to be ballet dancers because they were standing on their toes talking on the crank telephones. <laughs> okay. I, I often wondered why those things were up so high. Maybe they didn't want little kids to get, play with them. They didn't want big kids to play with them either. <laughs> I mean, somebody was always reaching overhead. And maybe it was just because it was the movies we see this in. Yeah. Somebody was, was reaching overhead to crank it and stretching the neck way up to be able to talk into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Wouldn't it have been wiser either to make people, it, it's a little easier to bend over than to try to stretch and reach something that you can't reach. But if they put it in a normal place and just put, put a box in front of it, you know, like a wooden crate. Mm -hmm. Right. If you ever had a wooden crate, it was always tip up the nose and try to stretch and get up there. That's true. Okay. And the payphone at Kramer's drugstore. Alice was home talking to Charlie. Fibber goes down to the drugstore, he's going to get on the phone one way or another, mm -hmm. and Charlie is on the phone. So he's got <laughs> Alice at home and Charlie on this end, and Alice and Charlie are talking to each other. Okay, here is your Pharaoh game. Pharaoh used to be the most popular banking game in America throughout the 19th century, the 1800s. A handful of Pharaoh games even survived well into the first half of the 20th century, but mm. then the game simply vanished as well as from short-term memory, the betting layout consisted of a suit of cards from ace to king, and players bet on the card in the rank of their choice. But it was kind of easy to fix. So the banker, who was the person responsible for turning over the cards and holding the money, more often went home with the money than anybody else. So it wasn't that interest petered it was that the game was crooked mm. and uh, they eventually got outlawed so nobody plays pharaoh anymore mm. and that's what Sibir was talking about with the banker in the pharaoh yeah. game you know i'm just thinking don quinn was something else to think about a guy who wasn't he, he didn't go to college or anything but had a grasp of the english language and had a grasp of interesting little side stories like this that he would reach back at this time, you know, in the 45, mm -hmm. 50 years sooner ago. Yep. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. You can even be a really smart person without being a really educated person, mm -hmm. and he sure proved that. He sure proved that, but he pointed out in some of the interviews that he was, you know, went to school hard knocks. Didn't have any learning of that and created Halls of Ivies and different shows and had a master of the English language. Even Norman Corwin didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, I'll tell you one thing, that the education back in them days must have been pretty good in high was. school. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about that tonight. <laughs> All righty. Because we could talk forever about how we could do things differently in the educational system. That's true. Yeah. So are we ready to say goodnight? Let's say goodnight, my dear. So. We'll be back tomorrow. Nope. We'll I will. You, you'll have the night off. Yeah, I won't be, and you're going to be late next week. Maybe, maybe not. But be, be aware, we might be a few minutes late. Yep. Not by fault.
Ich Walden's fault. <laughs> it's always Fort Walden. It's always Fort Walden's fault. It's always Walden. Patricia's loyal and faithful. Yeah. Walden just runs her over the globe doing this, this, and that, and this. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Just like that there. Yep. So we will be back next week. Have a good week, everybody. Happy Mother's Day, and be safe. Good night, Walden. Good night, my dear. And we all love you very, very much out there. Talk to you soon. The masquerade Just make your mind up The piper must be paid The party's over The candles flicker and dim you danced and dreamed through the night It seemed to be right Just being with him Now you must wake up All dreams must end Take The party's over It's all over My friend No
friendship fight Not as exciting as holding you tight Nothing that I do ignites me And starry skies, fourth of July's Don't have the sparkle I see in your eyes Don't know what to say Don't mean to be blasé But darling, it's true
the man who invented love must have been thinking of somebody else couldn't have possibly thought about me The man who invented love Must have been thinking of someone Who should know how to cope with this Someone who would 